0: episode of Dopey is brought to you by our good friends at Oro Recovery. Oro was founded by Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission, to treat alcoholism and drug addiction by using compassion and connection rather than control. Their team has decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They make sure that the detox is as comfortable as possible which we all would love, is a comfortable detox. They have amenities you wouldn't believe, fucking sound bath meditation, yoga, equine therapy, surfing, and, of course, my favorite, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. So if you're fucked and you're willing to go to one of the greatest rehabs that ever was, check out OroRecovery.com and go to sunny Southern California. Get your ass to Oro. Your life will be better. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our good friends at Your Sober Buddy. What's Your Sober Buddy? It's an app, but it's so much more than that. It is a community. It is a group of people who are helping each other to get and stay sober. They do 11 Zooms every week. And on Wednesday at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I host a Zoom. And you can get on the Your Sober Buddy app for a free trial month. So go check them out at YourSoberBuddy.com. Check them out at the App Store or the Google Play Store. It And I would not be this excited about Your Sober Buddy just for the money. I've really enjoyed working with them. Our meetings are great. I've seen people really, really, really have their lives changed by being involved with Your Sober Buddy. So check them out at YourSoberBuddy.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by Evolution Accounting and Consultants. It is tax season. It's time to get it done. And the team at Evolution Accounting and Consultants want to help you. So if you are a business owner, go to Evolution Accounting and Consulting. Their website is evolution-accounting.com. Their passion is to help you pursue yours. If you mention Dopey, they'll give you a discount and they might also give you a a gift card to Starbucks. So check out Evolution Accounting and Consulting. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave I hope you guys are well. I'm very well. Before we start the show, I want to give a huge shout-out and congratulations to Katie B, Dopey Legend. Hold on. No, that's not it. Yay. Fucking five years. Uh, incredibly helpful, supportive friend and Dopey compatriot. So congratulations, Katie B. Congratulations to Selby fucking finally getting off the fucking devil's lettuce. Congratulations. He might be smoking the Girl Scout pound cake lemon fucking shit right now, but last I heard, Selby was doing well, so congratulations. Shout out to all the stoners in the Dopey Nation. I don't hold anything against you if you smoke weed, but if you want to stop and you you get a couple days without bud, I'll celebrate you, and I'll also celebrate you if you smoke. Whatever you want to do, let your freak flag fly. We're here to have a good time. Do you guys ever get logged out of Facebook on your computer and then it needs your password but your computer doesn't remember your password and then it needs your phone to verify it's you and then your phone asks if it's a new browser but it isn't a new browser and your phone doesn't know? Does that ever happen to you? It happens to me constantly. It makes me want to fucking kill everybody. And it's because I'm using this old computer. This computer is old computer is from 2016 and i don't want to stop using it and it's jam-packed and it's gonna break down it's gonna break down while i'm making a show which is why i should switch to the good morning dopey computer but i'm i'm a fucking sucker for nostalgia all right selby took over the anniversaries and and i'm referring to dopey nation on facebook so if you're on facebook and you're not on dopey nation check it out we want to celebrate Nicole Christine VM for 14 years. And uh, I want to celebrate Dopey Zoom. They just celebrated their third year of getting together. And they just created a Kratom meeting, which I think is on fucking Thursdays. I don't even know. I think it's on Thursdays. I just saw it. Uh, go to Dopey Nation Facebook. If you're interested in the Kratom meeting, I'm going to put it on Dopey Instagram. Yeah, it's Thursday... Uh, I think, it doesn't even say fucking, it doesn't say I want to give a shout out to Stephanie oh yeah, Thursday at 7pm Eastern Time I apologize, congratulations Stephanie, Uh, Dopey Nation folks I appreciate you, I'm glad you're out there and I'm glad you're together and I appreciate that you guys are so invested in this thing, and before we quit oh shit, it was Scott Wick's anniversary this week too three years for the big Wick (laughs) Straight out of uh, Pompano Beach. So congratulations to all of you guys, and thank you for listening. We'll leave it at that. And I want to give a big shout-out to Cormac. I haven't mentioned Cormac in a long time. He's out there. He's fucking doing Dopey Reddit. I want to give a shout-out to Dopey Reddit, although Dopey Reddit hasn't really been doing anything for a while. So let's get going, Dopey Reddit. Except for, like, some people have been criticizing me on Dopey Reddit for having uh, Fentanyl J on the show. Shout out to Fentanyl J. J is on this week, just so yeah! just so you guys know. Anyway, it's a very exciting episode. I got to uh, interview this woman, Myra Diaz Gomez. She was at DopeyCon. She was like a, a, a blonde bombshell at DopeyCon, and I had no— She was with Brandon Novak, of course, so shout out to Novak. Yeah! But uh, I didn't know that uh, she was in recovery, and I didn't know her story, and her story is crazy. So Myra is on the show, I'm very excited for that. I got this really amazing message on Dopey Twitter. So follow us on Dopey Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Follow us on Dopey Instagram. But this this note was very emotional. It said, hey Dave, I sent you a message a while back on Instagram, but I know you're busy and I don't expect you to read them all. I do read them all. Uh, I don't know why I didn't get back to her. My name is Michaela and I'm 27 years old. I've been around drug addicts and the afflicted my whole life, starting with my mom when I was just a baby. I'm the oldest of three. Anyway, long story short, I just started listening to the Dopey podcast in like February or March of 2022, and I became a woman obsessed. I listened at the gym, in the shower, in the car. Hearing you and Chris talk was like being with the homies. You always say Howard Stern is your favorite because he made you feel as though you're amongst friends, and you guys did that for me. I smoke a little pot and I drink a little, but I'm not afflicted. My brother, on the other hand, was. Like Chris, he didn't make it. He passed in October of 2022 at just 24 years old. My mom got clean after almost 20 years of rehab, jail, therapy, drug court, and she now goes to meetings uh, regularly with her husband. We tried to show him that life's better this way, but I truly believe that some people just aren't meant for this world. They're too sensitive They're too smart. I got a little rambly, but I just wanted you to know how much you've helped me, comforted me when I was grieving. My brother kept me company when I was alone and sad and scared. For that, you and Chris will always hold a special place in my heart. I'm getting toodles tattooed for all the drug addicts who didn't make it for my brother and Chris and Todd. And I lost where I was going with this, or maybe I already said it. Anyway, I love you so, so, so much, Dave, and and stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles for Chris and for Cade and for Todd and for anyone else who didn't make it. I fucking see you. I fucking see your struggle. You have allies even in the unafflicted. Thank you, Michaela. Uh, I'm sorry about Cade. And um, yeah, there's no telling if you're going to live or die if you're using, and we're all going to die eventually, but it's way easier to stay alive if we're not using. You know, especially in this day and age. So yeah, please send in emails. Uh, If you lost somebody and you want to share about it on the show, send in an email, dopeypodcast at gmail.com. If you have a fucked up dopey story, that's always good. Send in a short, funny, dopey story. Five minutes should be the long end and send it to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. If you need Narcan or fentanyl test strips, send me an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com and I'll send it out. I have a few snapbacks left. I have a shit ton of stickers. If you want any, email me. Also, if you want to support the show, sign up for Patreon. I've been putting out Patreon shit like hardcore this month. I'm doing a lot of Just for Today videos. Today, me and my friend Butchie did a real deep dive into spirituality and dopey and dumb shit. So check that out on Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash If you love the show and you want to support it, support it there. I would really, really appreciate it. And then also, if you're looking for a place to do sober and fun stuff, you need to check out The Phoenix. The Phoenix is a free organization. It's a nonprofit organization designed to help addicts and alcoholics to have fun to engage in the arts, to engage in athletics. They even have a fucking pickleball league. You go to the phoenix.org slash movement and you can find something fun to do. And if you're looking for something fun to do, uh, I think April 26th, I'm doing a Phoenix event in New Orleans. That's right. A Phoenix event in New Orleans. It's a sober kickoff to Jazz Fest. It's going to be, I think they're cooking crayfish and shit. It's going to be amazing. So if you want to go to New Orleans and and hang out before Jazz Fest and do a sober thing, come meet me in New Orleans. And if you're looking to do something in your town, The Phoenix very, very well might be there arranging athletics and and doing cool stuff. They are called thephoenix.org and you can find them right there. The greatest thing about being sober is, is having fun. Like Being sober is about being able to enjoy your life, and the Phoenix believes it's easier to enjoy your life when you're doing it with people, and I agree with that too. So if you're looking for something to do, all they require from you is 48 hours of continuous sobriety, which to some people will be too much, and to other people it's no problem. But if you're looking for something to do, go to the phoenix.org. And I also, before we get to Myra, I want to remind you guys that one of my favorite people is Nat X. And Nat does a podcast called Recovery in the Middle Ages. It is for middle-aged people. It's two middle-aged dads chilling in the suburbs, talking all things addiction, recovery, 12-step fucking addiction literature, quit lit, They're dealing with their kids, dealing with their relationships, and dealing with their recovery. Check them out anywhere where you get your podcasts. And um, yeah, recoveryinthemiddleages.com. Check them out. And now we're going to get to Myra Diaz-Gomez. Just a, a breath of fresh air. Crazy story. Here she is, Myra. We usually record in my father's ramshackled apartment. And and my dad was there, and he was very excited to meet you. Okay. But we're in a very fancy place. We are. We're in a fancy television studio editing room without any editing gear. Where I just want to give a shout out to 0.0 Productions for giving us a space. And we are joined... You're a fucking Playboy model. I am. A Playboy <laughs> cover girl. Yes. That's insanity.
1: <laughs> yeah. February Denmark. <laughs>
0: February Denmark Playboy Cover Girl. She's a best selling author. She's a wrestler. She's a wrestling commentator at the NWA. You she you wrote for Rolling Stone, you wrote for Rolling Stone. I you did. wrote for Spin. You were on MTV. Were yeah. you on MTV Internacional with Daisy Fuentes?
1: I was on MTV Brazil and I actually reviewed books at the time for MTV News. You're my, I can't even <laughs> believe it. Her name
0: is Myra Diaz Gomez and the craziest thing is she was even at DopeyCon. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. On a
0: scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you?
1: 11. Oh
0: my God. And I bought you hot chocolate.
1: Yes, you did.
0: But no whipped cream.
1: No whipped cream. Why not? I don't know. I just didn't feel like it. You
0: see, the whipped cream in the Starbucks hot chocolate, it cools it down. It's very hot. You haven't tried it yet. I have. How was it? It was good. Very hot? Yeah. Very chocolatey. Yeah. Robust chocolate flavor.
1: I feel like having hot chocolate when I'm in New York. Why? I don't know. Just the cold makes me feel like having hot chocolate. Well, it's very warm today. To- yeah, it's not that cold, though.
0: Today is like... do you see how, nice day. Do you see how excited the New Yorkers are today? Yeah. Because it's the first day of, like, spring.
1: Yeah. I'm not wearing, like, five layers, so that's a good thing.
0: I was wearing many, many layers. I left them <laughs> mostly at my dad's house before I came up here. But first thing, we got to get this out of the way. You were at DopeyCon. Tell the world how great it was.
1: It was amazing. It was an event on... October of last year, I believe. Yes. We were at a church in yes. Chelsea. Yes. And uh, I came with Brandon Novak. He was a speaker. And it was my first time finding out about you guys, and I had a great time. Here. And,
0: I mean, your story is intense and really crazy, unexpected. You're from Brazil. Where did you grow up in Brazil?
1: I grew up in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil.
0: And you described yourself as being the children of... of uh Chopa's parents.
1: Yes. And so my father was a writer. He was a writer for theater, television, cinema. He was the first Brazilian writer ever nominated for an Oscar. And he was also the author of some of the most iconic soap operas in Brazilian television history.
0: What do they call Brazilian soap
1: operas? Novelas? Novelas. of yeah. course.. Mm-hmm. And my mom was a soap opera actress as well. Wow. Was yeah. she
0: like the the soap opera novella? hot woman and he was the very very Yeah they accomplished were like a power writer. couple. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And so the story, you know, did you when was the first time you, you drank or used?
1: I was 14 years old.
0: So the story that really shaped your your life was before that.
1: It was. So what you're referring to, I believe, is the death of my father, which happened when I was eleven years old. Um just to tell you briefly. I woke up for school in the, mo- in the morning. Um, I had a math test that day. I was late for school. And um, my aunt, who lived with us at the time, told us the news that my parents had been in a car accident. So they had traveled to this different city, Sao Paulo, to go to a theater and a play. And they were in a taxi accident. But at the time, the television network that my father wrote for had asked my aunt to prepare us slowly to receive these news because they were going to be big news. It was going to be in every television station. It was going to be on every newspaper cover. My father was a very, very respected writer, very loved by the entire country. I mean, he wrote the characters that everybody grew up with. So this was going to be big news. And that's what the network told my aunt at the time. So my aunt pretty much told us that they were okay and they were in the hospital. But I was 11.
0: So you're 11 and your aunt says, Myra, you, your parents got into an accident, but yeah. they're okay, and they're in the hospital.
1: Yeah. And I went online because I already knew how to log in. And there was a homepage that was like a news page. And the headline was, Giazgamesh dies in a car accident. And there were very graphic photos as well that I saw.
0: That's so scary. I mean, it's like, wouldn't it have been better for your aunt to tell you?
1: Absolutely. So how could that
0: have even... I mean, your poor aunt, she got suckered in by those people, I guess.
1: She never realized the effect that that had on me, I think. I don't know if she even realizes it today, uh, because I think that the fact that I was lied to was a big part of why I became so rebellious. Explain I felt very, that. very angry, Right. you know, very, very angry. I wish that I would have been told the truth rather than find, a, find it out that way.
0: You, you were know. lied to and you were be- betrayed.
1: Yes, that's how it felt, but I was still a child, so I didn't understand that what I felt was betrayal. I was just angry and I felt rebellious. I felt like nobody can tell me what to do now.
0: How many brothers and sisters do you have?
1: I have a younger sister and I have two older brothers and an older sister.
0: And they were. You, I remember hearing that you said they were musicians. Yes. And how did how did they react to this this news? Were you with them? Were you alone? No.
1: So I lived with my younger sister and my brothers and sisters are much older. They're from a different marriage of my dad's. But yeah, so I, I saw this online on the Internet and I just became very rebellious. And I remember thinking, you know, questioning, does God even exist? You know, because in my head, if God existed, this wouldn't have happened to me.
0: Were you religious before that?
1: Uh, I wasn't particularly religious, but Brazil is very religious, you know, and I just became very rebellious and confrontational of any sort of authority. Like nobody could tell me what to do anymore.
0: So when did the rebel, cause you have this trauma, this tragedy, yeah. this horrible thing. Yeah. And when does the rebellion start coming out?
1: A few years later. Um, we were still pretty young at that point. Like but puberty. Exactly. But as soon as I was 14 years old and hell started.
0: And what was the beginning of the hell? My favorite thing about your story, besides the fact that you're a best-selling author at 16, is that you huffed deodorant, I have to I say. I did. But let's let's get to 14. I was then
1: addicted to that. I cannot
0: wait to hear about that because <laughs> I don't think we've ever had anyone talk about that. Really? So this is a, a new chapter in okay. Dopey. But first, what what was the first substance and, and what happened?
1: So at 14, I would describe myself as a very insecure teenager. As soon as my father passed away, I became obsessed with boys. That's what I thought about all day long. Fourteen. Fourteen years old. My
0: daughter's 13. Yeah, that's the age. It's very, very annoying.
1: (laughs) So before this, I was a really great student. Uh, I was a great writer at a very young age. And my school actually wanted me to skip a grade from the fourth to the sixth grade because I was so ahead of the other students. So I was a great student.
0: Were you writing a lot?
1: I wrote a lot. Like, I was ready to release a book when I was 11 years old.
0: What was that book? I have no idea. But you were, you were just, like,
1: Writing memoring, was very natural journaling. for me because I grew up watching my father, and my father pretty much wrote all day long because he was writing soap operas for television, so he had a 24-7 job writing. So I grew up watching my father, and to me, this was a very natural thing. You write, people write.
0: Did he encourage you? Uh,
1: Very much. And I started writing diaries when I was pretty much eight years old, and I wrote every day in my diary until I was 15, and I loved it. It was never an obligation to write. It was always something that I loved.
0: I'm struggling writing. You are. I'm struggling writing. It's not easy. No, but it's amazing that you start so young. You're 14- What did we say the first substance was?
1: So, yeah, so I'm 14 years old. I'm a very insecure teenager. I'm obsessed with boys and I'm constantly... Boys was
0: the first substance.
1: Boys was the first substance. And I'm constantly dealing with, like, rejection and liking boys who don't like me back. And I constantly felt, like, rejected and, like, I didn't belong and I wanted to be cool. You know, I wanted to have a cool boyfriend and I was super rock and roll since I was really young. So I grew up like loving rock and roll bands and I had a room full of rock and roll posters. Who was on the walls? At that time, I think it was Marilyn Manson and oh, Papa boy. Roach.
0: Did you see the Marilyn Manson doc? The uh, one with the with all the allegations and everything? I have not. Oh my God. Yeah. You should see it. It's fucked up.
1: I grew up idolizing Marilyn Manson. So that's part of like my rebelliousness. Of, sure. You know. <laughs> Watch
0: this movie though. It's crazy town. I definitely will. Okay. So you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Did you get a tattoo at 14? I
1: did. My first tattoo was at 14. Which one? It was a really ugly butterfly on my back that I got at this like illegal store in the back of a mall that allowed 14 year, 14 year olds to get tattoos.
0: And what is it still there?
1: No, I covered it up. It was awful. You, cha- <laughs> you what,
0: what did you cover it with?
1: I tried to cover it up with wings and then those wings looked even worse. They started looking like lettuces pretty much. Right. Yeah, they were so ugly and I had like five or six cover ups and now I have roses in a skull. All
0: right. Well, that's the, the, the secret of tattoos. If yeah. you don't like it, you can change it. Yeah. So, so
1: 14 years old, obsessed with boys, uh, obsessed with rock and roll, going to concerts. So I started going to concerts with my mom. Because my mom was an actress on television, I'd be like, mom, can you take me to this concert and get me backstage? So like pretty much when I was 14 years old, I was already like backstage at really huge rock and roll concerts and meeting rock stars and stuff like that.
0: Who were some of the first you got to meet?
1: The first band I met was The Offspring. I heard you
0: talk about that. yeah, Yeah,
1: it was really cool. I mean, that was one of the best days of my life at that age.
0: Because it's everything you'd always imagine.
1: Yeah, it was great, and like I idolized them at that time.
0: Did you go to all those Rock and Rio shows? I did. Those seem insane. Yeah, it's like 20, how many people are there? Like fifty thousand, millions. millions of yeah, people. Yeah, maybe
1: like a million people. And Brazilians love American love rock and their roll. rock and roll
0: more than lots of other places. Yeah, like there's absolutely. something like all those stories of like Guns and Roses in mm-hmm. Brazil and all those bands. There's like, yeah. I think I had Steven Adler from. Guns N' Roses on Dopey. And I think mm-hmm. he told a crazy Brazil story. I don't doubt that. But I, I don't remember now. Well,
1: the Rolling Stones had their biggest concert ever at the beach in Copacabana. It was, a, I think, a million point five people. Did you go? I did. How I was, was 17. It? I camped out at the beach.
0: That was something else that you, I heard you say. that <laughs> Your biggest regret is that you never got to meet a Rolling Stone. I
1: haven't yet gotten to meet a Rolling Stone. You if know. you
0: could pick a stone, who would you want to meet?
1: Uh, Keith Richards.
0: Keith. Yeah. Why Keith?
1: I just love him. I love Keith. Yeah. yeah,
0: I bet you if you met Mick, he would like try to marry you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's interested in getting married. <laughs> I think he.
0: I, I think he actually might be uh-huh. married again to somebody like I think your age. But I love Mick. I, I mean, like. I love the Stones too, so I'm with you. You know, me and Ronnie would have the same birthday, oh, but cool. he's much older than me. But I'm trying to get him on dopey just because of that, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen.
1: <laughs> Maybe it will. So, okay, so you're getting obsessed back to your with, question. with
0: boys. You're obsessed obs- with rock and roll. Obsessed with rock and roll. Who was the rock and roll musician you got involved with at an early age?
1: I would rather not not, <laughs> not say that. Okay, <laughs> without his consent, at least one day I'll ask him for the consent to tell him the story with with the name included. That's okay. Yeah.
0: What was the story?
1: So, yeah, I was 14 years old. I went backstage at this concert was one of my favorite bands at the time, and I met the singer that, you know, I used to have a huge crush on, and I ended up giving him a letter that I had written. <laughs> Cuz I was that young, like it was very um childish really, you know. I, I wrote him a letter about how much I loved his music and how much his music meant to me. And I put my phone number in the letter. Nice. And gave it to him backstage.
0: And he met you. Yeah. And then he called you.
1: So the next day I'm in school
0: at lunch. What year?
1: Oh, I'm in the ninth grade. Okay. Yeah. Good year. And I told everybody in school, I met I met this guy backstage and, you know, he autographed my my jeans. So I, I went to school with my autographed jeans. On the front jeans. of your jeans or the back of your okay, jeans? The front of my jeans. Yeah. Good. Very good. Um, and does, a lot his of, name,
0: does his name rhyme with Paxel?
1: No. Okay, that's, sorry, sorry. that's not it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. So I'm in school the next day and I told all my friends, you know, I met I met this rock star and you know He signed uh, your I,
0: jeans.
1: Uh, he signed my jeans. I gave him my phone number. And then I think I was at lunchtime and he calls me.
0: Oh my God. Okay. So you have your cell phone at school.
1: I do. It's like that Nokia cell phone, yeah, that yeah, really yeah, old one. Uh-huh. And he calls me and he goes, Hey, I read your letter. And he goes, Do you want to come hang out with me after school?
0: Ninth grade. <gasps> Ninth grade. Is he uh,
1: Mind and you, I looked a lot a lot older than than I actually was at the time.
0: But this guy was definitely not like an 11th grader, right?
1: No, he was not. He was much older than me. Right. And so I I got one of my friends to come with me. My mom couldn't know about it. No. And I went to his hotel after school. Wow. Yeah. And I remember getting to the hotel lobby. And I was kind of like, well, how do we reach him now? <laughs> like, we can't just go to the lobby and say, hey, can you call up this rock star? They're gonna be like, no. Um, so I remember we were at the lobby and some of the other band members came down and they were like, oh, I recognize you from the concert yesterday. Do you wanna come up and smoke weed? Yes, so I, I went upstairs. I would love to
0: come up and yeah, smoke Yeah, and
1: smoked weed with the band for like the first time, I think. I'm not sure if that was the first, first time, but it was one of the first times that, you smoked that I smoked pot.
0: Hold on, I, I have a question. What was in the letter?
1: It was basically talking about his music and his lyrics. Like I was a writer at that point. You know, so it wasn't some cheesy letter. It was like talking about his lyrics and what they meant to me and that I was going through depression and his lyrics helped me. And your
0: book hadn't come out yet. No, amazing.
1: not at all. I'm in school at this point, right? So, yeah, so I went up with the band. We smoked weed. I remember I got really paranoid. Like I didn't know how to deal with the high. And I hadn't seen the singer of the band yet. So we smoked in the room with the other band members and then they were like, hey, so and so would like to see you. So I went downstairs and he was giving an interview to a radio station and he came and hugged me and was like, hey, thank you for coming, blah, 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 was super sweet. But obviously he was flirting with me and he said, you want to come up to the room with me? And at that point, like I idealized this whole thing and had these fantasies about it, but they had never become reality and the matter of fact is i was 14 and i had no experience so i went up to the room with him oh boy and i actually got really really scared
0: that's a that's a good healthy fear i think yeah
1: i was like standing by the door and i remember i said i don't want to go into the room because i was that scared um and he said yeah that's cool we can go to the mall or something so we're going to go to the mall and he came out with his boxers. And he said, Here, you can have my boxers. And if you want, you can tell your friends that's cool you had sex with me. Then I got so, so terrified after I went up to his room that I, I escaped the hotel and I never went to the mall with him. And, and then, you know, I went back home. I actually forgot his boxers in the taxi because I was high.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And I cried about it for like the entire month. I remember calling like the taxi company. And so you
0: cried because you lost the boxers. Yeah. Even though you decided not to go to the mall.
1: Yeah. Because once he left, I went into this deep depression because he had left. And this was a theme throughout my whole life because of my father dying. I always had this fear that people were going to leave and never come back.
0: But you didn't want to go to the mall because he skeeved you out because he wanted you to go I in the room. I didn't, but
1: the fantasy was still there.
0: The fantasy wasn't ruined. But the fantasy d- wasn't ruined. But you didn't regret not going to the mall.
1: I did regret it. Okay. Yeah, I did regret so it. Like, you were
0: high too. Yeah. You were probably fucking yeah. freaked out.
1: I was freaked out. That makes sense. And, I, and then I just cried about it for like a month. Like I'm never going to see this American rock star ever again. You know, I live in Brazil. You know, this, I don't know. I didn't know what my future was going to be. I just thought I'm never going to see him again. And now I'm in love with him. I love him. You that's,
0: know, yeah, I, those
1: kinds of feelings. Did you
0: regret not going into the room too?
1: No. Okay, good. I think I realized that I wasn't ready to have sex. Wow. Yeah. You,
0: it's amazing that you didn't go into the room. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a life changing moment.
1: Yeah. And
0: so you're, and we didn't get into the drugs at all. You smoke weed. Are you right. drinking at that point?
1: Not yet. So then after this happens, I kind of go like, you know, this is what rock stars do. This is what cool people do. This is what the cool characters in the movies do. You know, Meaning drugs getting are high cool. Meaning and drinking. So it was very glamorized for me. You know, it was a way that I saw of being cool. And once I realized like it gave me more confidence and stuff like that, that was it for me.
0: What was the first substance you fell in love with?
1: It was weed and then alcohol and then cocaine, I think
0: weed alcohol cocaine and you had smoked a little bit before that experience at the hotel and when was the first time you drank
1: god i don't remember that at all you were but at that time like the kids at my school had parties like big parties that served alcohol like kids were drinking at like 14 15 16 in brazil
0: is that the way it is now i think that's how it is everywhere yeah see my daughter i don't think she's drank yet and she's 13 and i know it's coming any second that's good what do you mean that she hasn't hasn't yet i know but it's like it's it's a weird maybe
1: she'll be more conscious
0: i mean i think she i feel
1: like this generation is a little bit more conscious don't you
0: well i was actually having a conversation about this recently and i said that i think it has to do with the addiction on the phone that they're so obsessed with their phone that's the addiction that they're not obsessed with Alcohol. Yeah, it's like
1: social media, TikTok. Yeah,
0: but some somebody in the audience was like, "No, he had kids that were, you know, on the phone, but still fucking and drinking and stuff." Gotcha. Um. So when was the first time? Uh, when did you start doing the huffing the deodorant?
1: Right. So from that point on, you know, drugs became my thing. So I I fell in love with using drugs. Like I I wanted to experiment everything. I wanted to be like the characters in the movies. I wanted to be like the rock stars. Totally,
0: and at the same time, you're developing your book. How do those things go together?
1: That hadn't happened yet. So at this point, I'm just doing lots of drugs and experimenting with like everything possible. Like, I remember I bought this book about drugs that talked about all the different kinds of drugs and I just went through it like, oh, I haven't done this one, I haven't done that one. I wanted to do them all. I wanted to have every possible experience. And like, it was my way of rebelling, but you know, I was also dealing with the trauma. I didn't realize that I was still dealing with the trauma of my father's death.
0: medicating yourself.
1: Exactly. And when I didn't do drugs and when I wasn't obsessed with the boy, I would always be in depression you know so i i was trying to find that that internal thing with external things you know i was trying to find the a cure for my emptiness pretty so, much
0: something on the outside to change the way you feel on yeah,
1: the inside exactly. yeah exactly and so i started using all all different kinds of drugs and you know at that point my mom was dating a guy who lived in a different city so she was gone pretty often during the weekends who
0: stayed with you
1: uh my aunts or um
0: the A couple same of aunt. people
1: that worked with us at the time. Same aunt? Yeah. And, but I would throw these parties in my room at that time. So I would invite like 20 people into my room and have like lots of drugs and experiments. Everybody would kiss each other. We'd have like these kissing games.
0: Nice. So you'd have these weird drug kissing parties. Yeah. And what kind of drugs were you taking and how does the kissing game work?
1: <laughs> so I think the drugs were, they are Brazilian drugs that I wouldn't know exactly how to explain to you. But they're called lola, and lança perfume. Wow! So you inhale them. You put them like on a piece of clothing, and you inhale them. And it was very popular in parties and carnival in Brazil.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And we don't know what it is.
1: Um, I think we should uh, Google so that we can give the proper. Can you description. can you do that? Yeah. So lança perfume is inhaled from a high pressure tube like whippets or poppers. Right. And it contains mostly mostly ethyl chloride wow plus a scent and gives users an euphoric short-lived rush okay so this is like a carnival party drug in it's, brazil right that was very common at the parties in my school
0: so i thought that was amyl nitrate poppers but i guess it's whatever that was they just it's called it.
1: this one's called Lungsa, and then there's another one called lola so those are super common so we used to do those and um also we started huffing deodorant
0: what about the kissing party the kissing games
1: it was like spinning the bottle. Like somebody would be like blindfolded and we would spin the bottle and you had to kiss whoever it was, whether it was a girl or a guy. Guys had to kiss guys. Girls had to kiss girls. It was like a time of experimentation.
0: Totally. And nobody was in your house. And you ha- did you have. Like, I would
1: lock my bedroom and nobody would bother me. I'd be like, I'm having a party. Nobody come here. And
0: you had like some, was it some fancy artistic sort of house because your, your yeah, dad Yeah, definitely.
1: Was, I had a huge bedroom. Right, <laughs> Like my right. bedroom was more like a nightclub. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure
0: it was during these yeah. crazy parties and you're doing these wow that sounds yeah. like it sounds like a very exciting time
1: it was i mean at the time it was exciting and how um, do you
0: go from these these things to the deodorant
1: right so then at this point i'm using a lot of drugs but like i said all of this is basically to mask the fact that without the drugs i'm very depressed and so i keep going through these phases of depression and then drug parties then back to the depression and back to the drug parties you know it's the the dopamine thing getting a lot lots of dopamine and then your dopamine levels drop right you know that's what i constantly went through my whole life pretty much
0: and and are you work because like your book came out when you're 16 right right so how does that work with this stuff
1: right so then you know i'm having these parties blah blah blah. so i lost interest in school pretty much at that point and also something very traumatic happened to me when i was 15 i was raped by a boy in my school so that pretty was much was it someone you knew? Yeah, someone I knew. So it was pretty much the first boy in school who had showed me like interest. You know, I had dealt with lots of rejection up till then, but then some somebody was very very interested in me, but he had a girlfriend. So I started having an affair with this senior who had a girlfriend. And like nobody supported that. Like my friends didn't support that. And everybody said he's an asshole. He's just trying to have sex with you. You know, but he you know, would text me every day and show interest and make make me feel desired when I didn't feel desired at all at that time. And uh, eventually he raped me in one of these parties in my own house.
0: That's horrible.
1: It was horrible. Oh, I'm
0: so sorry that happened. Thank you. So fucked up. It was it was it like a violent situation or was it like a date rape kind totally of thing? I
1: was totally high from one of those drugs that I right. just described. I think I was kind of like out of it, like right. half unconscious. Right, right. And... You know, I remember, I remember, you know, flashes of it pretty much. Horrible. But I remember, you know, when he was done, I, I told him, I said, I know you're going to leave and never come back, you know, because this is my trauma repeatedly. So even with someone that just treated me like shit and abused me and raped me, I'm so afraid that he's going to leave and and never never come come back. back.
0: And you'll be alone.
1: And I'll be alone. It's terrifying. And. He looked at me and he laughed at me and he left. I was in my sister's bedroom. He left my sister's bedroom, went to my bedroom and tried to hook up with my best friend.
0: Oh, my God. Like
1: he was the ultimate douchebag. Right. You know, Um, but anyway, so then after this, I completely lost interest in school. And, and, you know, you, did you people like you, blamed me for it. Did
0: you feel like you couldn't go back because it was so shameful?
1: I hated everybody because, like, my close friends and people around me blamed me for it and said, it's your fault. You're having an affair with a guy who has a girlfriend. And it was kind of this judgment thing about the guy having a girlfriend rather than what he did to me. Right. You know, like so it was, it was fault. my fault. Right. You know, you knew what you were getting involved in.
0: It's like somebody blaming somebody by what they're wearing or something. Yeah. And it's not like that. Yeah horrible.
1: And so I lost interest in school. I don't care about these people. You know, I'm ready to leave and start my own life. And I pretty much just started using drugs in the school bathroom until I got expelled. My what were mom,
0: you doing in the bathrooms, mostly?
1: Uh, Lonsa and Lola and deodorant. How did you
0: hit the deodorant? Right. Where did that come from?
1: So I remember a kid in school told me that you could get high by uh, huffing aerosol. And we tried doing it like straight into our mouths wow and it was really disgusting obviously so then i came up with this idea where i would get a plastic bag i would put the deodorant bottle in the plastic bag uh tie it then i'd make a little hole in the bag and i'd face uh the bottle opener to the other side of the bag does that make sense yes so that it sticks to the bag yes and you don't get it straight in your mouth yes and then we would get the high from the aerosol.
0: And you didn't Google this or look anything up? This no, is, okay. I made it up. I think that's a thing. Yeah. I think so.
1: And I taught it to like every kid that I possibly came in contact with at that time. Right. So I'm sure there's like a 100 kids in Rio de Janeiro who have this story, who has this story. and
0: Because of you. Yeah. And think of all the people they taught with your method. I know. It's amazing. You're like it's the Johnny Appleseed of huffing deodorant it's in Brazil. Terrible. but It's
1: terribly dangerous.
0: What did it feel like? I never huffed, huffed aerosol.
1: It immediately knocks you into like a hallucinogenic type of trip. So it's very fast. It lasts maybe like 15 minutes, 10 minutes long. But you just go into a different reality.
0: Were you taking psychedelics then too? Yeah. What were you taking?
1: Uh, I did LSD. I did ecstasy. I did... Uh, Mushrooms, I did everything that I could try.
0: Right, so you're dropping it because you're going to the bathroom in school. You're fucking either huffing. Yeah. What kind of deodorant yeah. was it?
1: <sighs> it was called Spray Seco Sem Perfume. It's a Brazilian. Deodorant. I was hoping
0: it was smells like Teen Spirit deodorant. <laughs> that would have been the best. Yeah. Okay, so don't. So say that name again.
1: I think it was called Spray Seco Sem Perfume.
0: That's amazing, the Portuguese uh, deodorant. So if you have that deodorant, do not huff it. No, don't. We're going to say...
1: I mean, it's so incredibly dangerous when I look back at it. You know, I'm really happy that nothing bad happened to anybody that I taught that to.
0: Yes. Did you ever see the intervention episode where the person huffs uh, the, the desk, the air, the desk spray, whatever? It's a fucked up episode. Do you ever watch Intervention? Yeah. There's an episode where the dude is like totally addicted to huffing the dust off on his desk and he loses his mind. Mm-hmm. How bad was your brain at that point? How often were you doing the... Uh...
1: All the time. But you're But time. you become a fucking... Best-selling like, author.
0: Best-selling author at 16 I while know. you're huffing this... I wish I could pronounce the deodorant.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: So how does it go from there to there?
1: So my mom found out that I was doing deodorant. She would find the bottles in the trash can and eventually she figured it out that it was a drug she didn't understand why there were deodorant bottles everywhere at first she was like
0: you smell terrible
1: but they she figured out eventually that it was drugs and yes i got expelled from school she was very very angry at me and why did you get expelled because i failed every class because you failed out i wouldn't go to school anymore i'd just be in the bathroom doing drugs or be in the nurse's office or escape to the mall you know, I'd, I'd be hiding somewhere in school. My school was really, really huge campus. And she's like, what are you going to do with your life? We've invested so much money in your education. You know, I was in one of the best schools in Brazil. I was in the American school. That's how I can speak English. Your English is fantastic. Thank you. I think I'm stumbling a little bit here and there, no but I'm trying. No way. You're, it's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. So then she's like, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, well, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to be a best-selling author. And she's like, what are you going to write about? I said, my dad dying, my depression, the drugs, the rape, everything that happened to me. And she was actually really supportive. She said, yes, absolutely do that. Amazing. Yeah. And so I started writing and I wrote it in six months. So I wrote it like every night through the night. Um, Using. Using. What
0: would you mostly use when you were writing? Just weed and stuff?
1: Yeah, I think it was weed and alcohol, like wine or I would be drinking something.
0: You're like an old school beatnik drinking your wine, smoking weed and writing. Yeah,
1: totally. Those were my favorite books were the Beatniks and the Junkies.
0: So were you into that then? Yeah, who I loved did you like, like? Jack Kerouac yeah, yeah, yeah. and
1: Burroughs. And I loved Baudelaire, like poetry books sure. by Baudelaire. That was like my kind of literature for sure.
0: You know, Essie uh, Hinton, who wrote The Outsiders. Yeah, and she wrote I that loved when, The Outsiders. When she was 16.
1: It was my favorite book in eighth grade.
0: Was that like a thing in your head? If she could do it, I could do it?
1: Uh, Not really. I think my, it was mostly coming from my dad. If my dad can do it, then I can do but it. But he
0: didn't do it when he was 16, did he?
1: He started writing when he was 15.
0: But he didn't get a best-selling book, did no, he? No, no. I'm just amazed by that. Like, yeah. forget everything else because we we have a whole life ahead of you. But it just it's so incredible that you accomplished that. Yeah. Um. So you funnel all? Did you funnel all of that life experience into the first
1: book? Yeah, it was very like cathartic. Like.
0: And, and Doping Nation. The book is in Portuguese. I yeah, would have read it. Uh, but
1: I'm working on the translation right now.
0: So we're gonna. Next time you come on, I'm gonna read the book. And we're gonna talk I about. Hope the th- book. I hope
1: that by the next year, I'm gonna have it ready.
0: And you had all that horrible stuff and uh, of your the tragedy trauma yeah. of your life in that first book. I did. But was it was it from first person or was it about a character? So
1: I I at, when I first wrote it, I didn't want to tell everyone that that was really me. So I would kind of like say, oh, it's half fiction, half memoir, but it was mostly memoir, like 99% of memoir. But I was just afraid because I was talking about different people in school I was talking about lots of people that could sue me right nightclubs and you know places that are catering to teenagers using drugs and so it was kind of scary so I didn't really say that it was a memoir right away I would say like oh it's kind of a memoir but it's kind of a fiction changing names to protect the the guilty kind of thing and so I wrote it and my mom helped me get to a publishing company we had a meeting at one of the biggest publishing companies in the country and they read my book and they called in a few months and said it was absolutely incredible and amazing and it was going to be a bestseller and that they wanted to publish it. How exciting was that? It was unbelievable, I couldn't believe it. And I really couldn't believe it. And,
0: and how is your alcoholism and drug addiction at that point?
1: Oh, I'm drinking and doing drugs the entire time. So not, So I released the book, the book comes out. It's actually a huge success. Like teenagers are really, really able to relate to it. And also the publishing company did, you know, major promotion and marketing on it. So I was like on the cover of like newspapers. I was going on television shows. So I kind of became like a teenage celebrity. Um, Did
0: you make a ton of money from it?
1: No, not really. Not enough. Not enough. Right.
0: Especially if you're using.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't that much money. But that wasn't what I was worried about at the time. Like what really meant mattered to me was that I was affecting people's lives. Like it was very it was very life changing that these really traumatic experiences were helping other teenagers you know and so that that really changed the game for me because I became a professional writer I wrote two more books I started writing for the newspaper I became a journalist all these things happened because my book was successful and it gave me the confidence to keep talking about my experiences so 19 years old now a bestseller going on television shows people are asking me you know like
0: you're on talk shows and yeah, all that stuff and, yeah. and they're assuming that you're not a drug exactly. addict exactly
1: and they're like what's the lesson in this or like there's some some intro like oh she's here doing wonderful work warning teenagers about the dangers of drug addiction and meanwhile
0: you're huffing deodorant in the back. and i'm like were you still doing the deodorant at that no part?
1: no i stopped how did deodorant. you stop I, I don't remember i, j- I just went to Drinking and cocaine. You were like,
0: "This is too much," because you you know. I mean, if there's yeah. one thing that can't possibly be healthy, it's huffing deodorant. Yeah, it's
1: terrible. On, on
0: a scale of, and th- it's
1: disgusting. Yeah,
0: but it's great that that was your <laughs> drug of choice for I a know. moment. I I cannot thank you enough for having that in this interview. <laughs> Can you give us a, a one huffing story? Give us one. Think about one okay. time when you were a kid. And you, and you bust out, I wish I could say the name of the deodorant, but.
1: I remember I was, I, I used to do it like the stairway of my building, like hiding from my parents. So I wouldn't do it inside the apartment sometimes, I would do it in the stairway because I would lose consciousness and I was always afraid that my, my mom was gonna walk in or somebody was gonna walk in. But I remember being in the stairway and I started huffing and then suddenly I'm in, I'm running in a kingdom, something's going <laughs> yeah, on, I don't yeah. know, some castle, some yeah, yeah, king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm running and I'm running and I'm running, but I can't, I can't run fast enough because I'm my feet are stuck. Something's going on. I don't know. Some trip like that, and I snap out of it and like I'm basically hitting my stomach against the, the stairway, right. and I've cut myself completely and I'm like bleeding like. Through the whole thing. And in my trip, I'm like running through this kingdom. But in
0: reality, you're just on the stairs bleeding. Yeah. Hurting yourself. Yeah. And did you ever did you do a lot of the deodorant with friends or was it mostly? I did okay. with
1: friends at parties. Like I would be like, Hey, let's go to the bathroom and do deodorant. Right. And people would be like, What's that? I'd be like, Oh, I'm gonna teach you this it's new amazing. drug that I invented. Right. I, love- I was so proud of it. I'd be like, I invented this.
0: I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> so you're this you're this big time Brazilian legend you know you're a kid on talk shows yeah. three books yeah. writing what, what was your intro to journalism
1: so from the success of my book uh, the editor of the largest newspaper in brazil discovered me and asked me if i wanted to have a column in the newspaper so 19 years old i started having a music column so then my my dreams started to come true where Suddenly I started working, interviewing bands. And so I became a journalist for the newspaper for the music, music section of the newspaper.
0: So like who were you interviewing?
1: Any, any American band that would come to Brazil. Who were like, the best ones? I remember I had to call Lemmy. That was one of my first interviews. From Motorhead, yeah. Yeah, that was, they were like, oh, you have a phoner with Lemmy. I didn't even know what a phoner was. I was like, oh my God, okay, I have to call him on his cell phone? Like that was insane to me. And I called Lemmy and Lemmy was like, hi, ah, what's this? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and I could barely understand what he was saying, but right. to me that was like the coolest moment ever.
0: Totally. Yeah. What are some other highlights? of people that you got to talk to?
1: Well, I met Marilyn Manson through the newspaper. I finally got In to person? interview Marilyn Manson. Was he cool? Yeah, he was cool. Nice. Uh remember The Used. I was big The Used fan. But it was pretty much any like rock and roll band that came to Brazil. If they could give it to me, they would. Yeah. So I started working as a reporter for them. And then from people recognizing me from the newspaper, I started getting invites for like other magazines and other newspapers and television shows. So I had my own column on MTV News where I reviewed books, pretty much beatnik and junkie books.
0: And you would, ta- you would be on camera?
1: Yeah, on camera. And
0: were you very glamorous at this point?
1: I think I kind of was. You yeah. were because I mean I it's like
0: because kind of like the latest thing I saw was that you are the new Hollywood <laughs> it girl. Oh my god! Playboys found their new Pamela Anderson. Oh god. And so when you were a teenager, when you were a teenager, were, was were you very glamorous and like?
1: I was glamorous, but I had kind of an emo style at that point. Those were like the emo times. I had like my lip ring and my like black hair with yeah. the bangs. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I was always kind of glamorous in the sense that I always liked to dress up and and look good and get my hair and makeup done.
0: So from there, do you go? When do you go to L.A.? Like how often are you? When I was a kid, I worked for MTV too. You did. I did. What did you uh, do? Oh God! When I was a kid, I was an intern on this show that was a a high school music magazine show. And I was in in high school. Mm -hmm. And so at first I would just like, we would watch videos and kind of write about it. And then we really wanted to be on MTV. So it was me and my best friend were interns there. So we would go to 1515 Broadway, the center of MTV. And we'd Mm -hmm. walk around to meet people. And we would like, we met like Kurt Loader, We met the first cast of the real world. (laughs) Like it was like a thing. And then we wound up on the show. The first thing we did is we went... With the hair metal band Slaughter, oh my God, to a uh, giant stadium t- for them to like sign records at a Tower awesome. Records in New Jersey, and we went out there in a limo, and I'm sitting on the floor in the limo, and I'm not using it at all. Like my addiction hadn't started close, but I, I was. The, the limo was packed, and for some reason, like, I think I was sitting on the floor, <laughs> and I got so carsick that when I got out of the limo, I just threw up all in the street <laughs> and ran in front of oh Slaughter. Oh, my God. And then we, like, went to some toy show. I wound up producing a show for them much later. And and then I in my first most professional job when I was a kid, I, I made a music magazine show and got to interview Musicians. So we're, that's amazing. So it's like we have some similarities. A lot of, I I mean, I didn't get to huff deodorant, but besides that, I think, and I wasn't very glamorous, but besides that, I think we have a lot of similarities. (laughs) That's awesome. And I never got to wrestle, but besides (laughs) that, I think we have a lot of similarities. And I didn't write a best selling book when I was not yet. Exactly. We got to talk about that in a bit. So you go to Lost, what makes you go to Hollywood?
1: Okay. So then, you know, I'm working as a journalist, I'm writing for all these different magazines. But throughout this whole thing i still have that feeling of emptiness even being very successful even with my dreams coming true essentially and having the job of my dreams having my books come out having people recognize me i still felt empty inside and i still felt depressed and i still felt that i was dependent of that male figure that i didn't have and i was constantly in codependent bad relationships yeah you know, because because of this necessity to have that male figure in my life. And I attached myself to people that were not the best people for me because I didn't want to lose them. That's you the know? worst
0: when it, especially because it's all in the wake of your father yeah. who was so close with you and so encouraging to you and you lose him and, yeah. and the fact that the loss of him, you know, like who knows if you would have been an addict or an alcoholic mm-hmm. if that hadn't happened, yeah. but because it did, it doubles down on this needing uh this acceptance you yeah. need this this attention this exactly. love it's it's very exactly. rough i get and, it and you
1: know through my through the through most of my life i have this feeling like nobody loves me and i'm alone and it took a very long time for me to not feel that way and you know it couldn't it can't be further from the truth i have so many people who love me and i'm not alone at all i have so many friends i know so many people my family is, is very supportive my mom's very supportive but I would always have this feeling like nobody loves me and I'm alone because nothing would fulfill this, this emptiness that I felt and this desire to be loved by a man like the way that my father loved me pretty much.
0: Well, there's a there's a phrase like that I hear once in a while at meetings, which is the uh, the phrase that you hear is that you are enough. But the but what that means is that we we always felt we weren't enough,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like and that's what I hear when you say that like I'm not I'm not enough no yeah. matter no matter that's how exactly much I how accomplished I right? Yeah,
1: and I sometimes still feel like that. Me too. You know, and I have to catch myself because that often comes back to me, and I think like you're not doing enough. I can be doing so many things that people can only dream of, and still be feeling that way.
0: I feel the same exact way, and I mean again. I'm not at your level and, and doing the same things that you're doing. But I I always need more of everything. Mm-hmm. If I get like 100 nice comments and one bad comment, same. I'm, I'm only on the, on the bad one. You're going to focus on the bad one. And if I get 100 nice comments, it's not enough. You
1: want 200. I,
0: yeah, I want, I want all yeah. of them. It's like yeah. it's crazy. It is. The whole. Yeah. You know, and then like how you fill the hole. You know, the idea, I mean, in 12-step recovery, the idea is you fill the hole with spirituality, mm-hmm. but that's hard to do. Anyway, let's get that. Let's did
1: you, go to LA. Why did you go to LA? So I'm 21 years old. I still, I, I released another book and I still feel like that. And this, at this point, I have an idea. I'm going to move to Hollywood and I'm going to be a rock and roll journalist in Hollywood. And I feel like this is also another theme of my life. And At many moments when I felt low or when I fell in some type of rock bottom, I will always have this crazy idea that everyone else will think is insane. And in my head, it's just going to work. And it's the same with like, I'm going to drop out of school and become a best-selling author. I am going to move to Hollywood to become a rock and roll journalist. I'm going to go to wrestling school and become a wrestler. I have these crazy ideas at the moments when I feel the lowest. And I know that it's like my brain trying to find a way out of that that depression that hole and because i have my parents as an example you know my parents made all of their dreams come true
0: through sheer creativity
1: through creativity i've always had this like belief in myself of like i can do this if somebody else can do this so can i right how do i get there what are the steps to get there so Let's go to Hollywood.
0: So it was like this ga- glamorous rock and roll fantasy it was. in your head.
1: It was, and and wildly enough, it did turn out to be a very glamorous rock and roll fantasy because I moved to Hollywood. I met a guy that I eventually married. So we, I met someone right away.
0: How did you meet him?
1: Interviewing him for the newspaper. Was it Diplo? No.
0: <laughs> I know it was a DJ, right?
1: <laughs> it was not was <laughs> Diplo. Was it Skrillex? Sure, no. Okay. And like I got married pretty much in six months.
0: Why did that happen like that?
1: It was a whirlwind romance. We fell in love. I didn't want to go back home. You know, he said, let's get married. We were we started living together like in our first week together. And that's part of my codependency. You know, like I would I would jump into relationships right away and start living with the person.
0: And like the marriage could solve everything because now I have my person.
1: Yeah. But I did have a very happy marriage, actually. A lot of my dreams came true. Like my first ever job in Hollywood. I was a reporter at the red carpet for the movie New Moon, you know, the sequel of Twilight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first job was like this insane red carpet premiere with hundreds of screaming fans and Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. And I'm like, "Okay, I did it. I made it to Hollywood and I am I got the job that I wanted."
0: Exactly where you wanted exactly to be. Exactly
1: where I wanted to be. And
0: how much are you using at that point?
1: Um so Luckily for me, once I moved to the United States, I always felt so aware that I was an immigrant and that I could mess up everything by doing something wrong that I didn't use as many drugs as I did when I lived in Brazil. So it became a lot about just alcohol at that point because
0: you knew it would be if you got busted with Coke
1: or, or with anything,
0: or, deodorant's legal in the States. Well, but you am not doing deodorant no, anymore. Of course. <laughs> I can't I can't give that joke <laughs> up. I'm sorry. Um, so you decide basically self-preservation is if I'm going to be in America, I'm going to just drink because I don't want to get deported.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I no, I was drinking. I, I was drinking every night pretty much. And. The person that I was married to was a DJ in Hollywood. So we were always out at nightclubs like every night. So almost every night I was drinking. And then I haven't mentioned it, but through this entire thing, I'm having really, really bad panic attacks. From when? That are also connected to my father's death. And they started, I think, when I moved to Hollywood, actually. Um, in
0: Brazil, you didn't get the I panic didn't attacks. have the
1: panic attacks. But I also never lived by myself in Brazil. I lived with my family. So once I lived by myself with my now husband in the United States, and he had to go to work, he had to go to the DJ at night. And I didn't want to go every night. You know, I'd would, I would stay at home sometimes. And that was his job. That's what he had to do. And I would have these horrible panic attacks where I would be convinced that he was never going to come home ever again. How old
0: were you when you moved to the States?
1: 21. So you were a kid. I'm 21.
0: You're 21 years old. You only live now. with your, your family. Mm-hmm. And you meet this man, you fall in love, and yeah. you marry him. And mm-hmm. then you have these panic attacks. Yeah.
1: And I have them pretty much for 10 years. Every time he went out to work or went out at night, I would spend three or four hours just crying hysterically. And nothing could stop the panic attack except him walking back through wow. the door.
0: And you never you never tried to medicate it with with benzos Oh or no anything? i was
1: no i was drinking through it you know so it was always drinking i'd be at home drinking and then of course the drinking would make it even worse and then the next panic attack would be even worse so i was really just making the panic attacks worse and worse with the years you know and part of the reason i got sober is because the panic attacks got so so you know controlling like they controlled my life so much that if I didn't do something about it, I was going to kill myself because I started feeling like I was going to die every time I was having a panic attack and I wanted hell, to die.
0: Right. It was hellish. It was. And I guess what you found out is it was the alcohol.
1: It was the alcohol.
0: But let's talk about the last stage of your drinking. Like mm-hmm. what's your life like or does it affect your work? Does it affect your marriage? Mm-hmm. What, what is that? And are you waking up and drinking?
1: Yeah. So, of course, all of this affects my marriage very much. Imagine being married to someone who has a panic attack every time you walk through the door. That's extremely stressful. Yeah. You know, it, it's like I feel really bad when I think about it through that perspective. But there was nothing that I could do about it at that time. I didn't know any other way to go about it.
0: You didn't choose. It's not like you chose to no. have panic attacks. No. You don't so now sometimes you have shame about it.
1: I, it's not shame, but like I can understand how it was very difficult to be in a relationship with me when this is the way that I acted when he had to leave the house.
0: Would you get jealous? Absolutely. Because he's DJing.
1: I was very jealous. It's
0: a nightclub, it's a world of yeah. like hot people and yeah. all this shit.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing because nowadays I am so not a jealous person. Like my personality is so incredibly different than how it used to be at that time. But yeah, it, it did affect my marriage and we went through lots of stuff during our marriage as well because he had an ex-wife who had a restraining order against him. She was a very famous actress.
0: Was it Halle Berry?
1: No. Okay. <laughs> I love your guesses though. <laughs> They're great. Um, And she pretty much hated me and decided to make our life hell and she would like stalk us she would like follow us at different places hoping to have him arrested for violating the restraining order
0: like she's pissed he's with this hot young brazilian you know yeah yeah i'm sure yeah. she was pissed she was and and he's a dj and yeah. you're fucking alcoholic writer yeah right it's, see i couldn't handle anything i, I would be a total disaster <laughs> neurotic disaster In Hollywood? oh I, I was in hollywood i lived in hollywood for years and i locked myself in an apartment and didn't leave because it was too much for me oh wow i was just a heroin addict in hollywood yeah, yeah i was bad and so like describe the alcoholism in that period. And like and what I'm surprised though, because like when people have panic attacks, doctors give them drugs, they give them benzos. and clotting. Right, I didn't
1: have doctors taking care of You me. didn't want help. I didn't have help, I, I hadn't looked for help yet. You're a kid. Yeah, and I'm, just I'm just living my, this crazy glamorous Hollywood life and I'm dealing day by day with whatever is going on.
0: Pounding tequila.
1: Yeah, well that at that time it wasn't tequila. It was it was whatever there was. So okay, so then, you know, I have this this famous actress who keeps following us, you know, she wants to make my life hell. And eventually she does manage to get to a place where we were and she has him arrested. And so a criminal's case starts. What was the um, charge? It was for violating the restraining order for walking into a restaurant.
0: So, so she was there.
1: We used to go to this restaurant several times a week and post on social media that we were there. One day we walk into the restaurant, she's there. And
0: setting you guys up. Setting, setting us up. To break the restraining order.
1: Yeah. And he was arrested. And from that point on, I went through like two years of absolute hell with just criminal courts. And we went to trial. He was convicted. He was wrongly convicted. He went to jail. So you can't imagine what happens to my panic attack and my alcoholism you at that lose point. Your mind. Now He's actually going. He's actually gone. You know, my fears now are very real. This man is now in county jail. And now I fear for his life, you know. So the panic attacks just got worse and worse. And the drinking just got worse and worse. Like I had to drink to just survive the day, you know. Um, And then my marriage ended shortly after he came out of jail. And for the first time in my entire life, now I'm living alone
0: why how did the marriage end
1: it just fell apart honestly it was it was so it was so stressful to go through that entire situation like it's something that i don't wish on anyone to go through through the justice system and the jail system it's just absolute hell and, and i was so young
0: you're so young and you're an alcoholic and he's coming out of jail and it's just it wasn't going to work
1: yeah i just i wanted a lot of attention and he had to recover from the trauma that he just went through in jail yeah, not everything works out. You know, we're great friends now. Like we have no problems with each other. We're really good friends. But yeah, it it ended. And now I start living by myself for the first time in my life. And I have to deal with this fact that I can't be alone. I don't know how to be alone. I drink a lot when I'm alone. And I have these debilitating panic attacks. So at that point, was that's the point when wrestling comes into my life
0: actually. Who were you it's. hanging out with though? Like what did you do to not be alone?
1: I would have friends come over and stay with me. Actually one of my friends even told me lately that like <sighs> not to make you mad but I used to hate it when you had panic attacks and I had to come to your house.
0: Right. It was too much work.
1: It was too much work. Like I had some people would have to be on the phone with me for three hours while he was gone. Some people would come sleep at my house just to get through it just to get through Because of it. the fear. Yeah because I would feel like I was going to die or I would want to die.
0: Right. It's very, very scary. I remember like one time when I got, when I was trying to get sober, I would be so scared and I would need people to come stay with me just because I, the loneliness mm-hmm. was debilitating. Yeah. So I know what that feels like. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy feeling. Cause like, and then somebody comes and you're, and you feel better. And you're fine. It's, it's re- like
1: nothing happened.
0: I feel like when I was a kid, I don't know why, but I would get scared at night like I would get scared to go to bed and I would have my friends sleep over all the time and that would be the only way that I could go to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's- That it, makes sense to it, me. Somehow it, it relates yeah. in this to me because if they were there, I would sleep like exactly. a baby and otherwise I would be fucking- It's
1: like the physical presence of the other person. It's interesting, Yeah, it's
0: interesting. So you're, you're at home in this phase, you turn on the TV, and what what wrestling was on that that moved you?
1: I was watching WWE. Uh huh. So was it I, women or men? It was women for sure because uh, I wasn't interested in wrestling before. I did not grow up watching wrestling. Wrestling was not a thing in Brazil, so I only started watching it like in my late twenties, and I felt really really inspired by the women. It was Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch.
0: Okay, um, when I was a kid, the women that were wrestling were not. In, there was like the fabulous Mula. Do you oh know yeah. who the fabulous? Of course. Mo- yeah, it was not the glamorous uh, days that that you well, got women inspired had by. To, yeah. to,
1: to earn their spot, still.
0: Oh yeah, the yeah. fabulous Mula was rough. Yeah, she was a, a rough lady. Yeah. But in your the, when you put it on, it was very glamorous, beautiful Absolutely women.
1: Beautiful, blonde, glamorous, strong, powerful. No
0: disrespect to the fabulous Moolah either. Absolutely I yeah. I don't want to disrespect to the her. Legend. Legend.
1: Yeah. But yeah, like I saw myself in them in a way. And that's why I related to it. Because I, if I, if, when I watched the men, I didn't get that feeling at all. It's just men in the ring to me. But when I saw the women, I thought, oh, my God. Like, if I could be like them, if I could be that powerful, that strong, that confident, that beautiful... I think that I would be happy and it really was this thing that lit up in my head like that I just got this crazy desire to want to be one of them
0: it would solve your problems.
1: yeah that's how I felt like that's what I want to do I want to work that hard I want to learn how to how to wrestle you know and I want to I want to be a wrestler because I worked for it, because you're I be bust strong. my ass. You'd be strong. I want to be strong. And people,
0: and scary. And
1: scary. Because how
0: could you be afraid if you were a wrestler?
1: Exactly. There, w- there was so much that went into that thought of wanting to be a what wrestler. What a
0: crazy fantasy though, right? Out right. of nowhere.
1: Out of nowhere. Yeah, you're I'm a writer. I'm not an athlete. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I don't do anything re- related to sports at that point. Like I did boxing workouts and I did MMA workouts at some point. I had a phase where I was obsessed with Ronda Rousey before too, where I wanted to be a new uh, MMA fighter, but obviously that was never going to
0: I'm glad happen. you didn't go that route.
1: Me too. Yes. Um, so I literally Googled, like, how do you become a professional wrestler? And I saw, oh, you have to go to school. And to me, that was kind of like, oh my God, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to wrestling school because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life at that point. I didn't have my husband anymore. I was living by myself. I wasn't really working as a journalist anymore because journalism started to kind of die. (laughs) You know, like I wasn't really working for magazines or doing anything that I used to do at that point anymore.
0: And you didn't want to do the online
1: journalism. stuff. No, I didn't. And I had done it already for so many years since I was a teenager that I was like ready to do something else. Yeah. So I found this school in Vegas and I thought, oh, my God, that's it. I'm moving to Vegas to become a professional wrestler the same way that I decided I'm writing a book. I'm moving to Hollywood. This is my new crazy wild idea. I'm moving to Las Vegas and I'm gonna be a professional wrestler. People in my life were kind of like, what are you talking about? You're not gonna be a professional wrestler, you're a writer. And so I that would went. have been that would
0: have been a great story to write. Yeah. You know, the story <laughs> of this woman that goes to to Las Vegas to how wrestling can save right, your life.
1: Right. And the other thing was I had watched this documentary about the ladies of Glow. Yeah. And Their story was that they were not wrestlers. They were like models and actresses who walked into a casting and were told that they were going to be in a wrestling show. And so they had to learn how to wrestle and they moved to Las Vegas to wrestle in the casino. So in my head, I thought, oh, my God, like if regular women can can go to school and learn, I can do it, too. All I have to do is go to school and I'm going to move to Las Vegas just like the ladies did. And I did. Amazing. I moved to Las Vegas like literally the same week, a few days later. I didn't know how, how I was going to support myself. What did know. your mom say? I don't know. My mom was kind of like, what are you doing? Right. But at the same time, my mom is like supportive of my crazy ideas.
0: Well, you had succeeded and, and, and you were, I mean, you had gotten a divorce. You yeah. were by yourself and it's like, it. I, I bet you she respected the artist in
1: you. Yeah. She had spent like a couple of months with me during the separation also And like she was happy that I found something that I wanted to do. And also like once I started sending videos of me in school and it looked like I was actually doing something real, it was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, maybe maybe she'll become an athlete and this is what's going to help her.
0: How's Um, how's Vegas with the alcoholism?
1: Oh, I'm drinking every night. So I'm going to wrestling school during the day, but I'm drinking every night. I'm sitting in the hotel lobby and drinking.
0: Were you gambling?
1: No, I don't have a gambling a uh, problem thankfully um, yeah me neither yeah
0: but uh where you, you were in the casino bars just getting yeah wasted.
1: and i would just like go from hotel to hotel because i'd be like this week this hotel is the cheapest now the price went up because it's the weekend you know how vegas is super cheap during the week super expensive during the weekend so right. i'd have to find a different place during the weekend Stay there for a couple of days, then find the next cheap place for the next week. So it was like constantly moving around the entire city. I stayed like in every hotel pretty much.
0: And how was wrestling school?
1: So the first day that I ever walked into wrestling school was probably one of the most scary days of my entire life. Because, I mean, wrestling is a very serious sport, right? It's very serious. And you can get hurt, you know. And I'm not an athlete. I don't have great cardio I don't have the strength. I don't have the flexibility. I don't have any of the aspects that are needed to become a professional wrestler at that point. But I do have the desire to do it, which is something that, you know, has moved me through my whole life. It's just like I'm going to do it, you know, and I don't care whatever it takes. And I remember like the first day at school, the trainer kind of like tests you out to see if you're tough enough to stick around. Because if you don't come back after that first day, then you're not tough enough to be a professional wrestler. So
0: what do they do to you on the first day?
1: I The first thing I think he made us run like 20 laps, 10 laps, like something like, like a lot of laps. And um, I remember running and thinking in my head, like, what the hell am I doing here? I'm insane. Like, I hate running. I hate cardio. What am I thinking? You know, and I remember one of the students was running next to me and he said, hey, new girl, how crazy are you? And I was like, crazy enough to be here. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, And um, it was
0: men and women in the school,
1: men and women, like maybe just a couple of women and uh, the majority are men.
0: I feel like that's a TV show wrestling school. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. Wrestling school is crazy. But it was it was amazing. So by the end of the day, I was like, no, I don't care that this is hard. I want to come back tomorrow. And I was so happy that, you know, I did it.
0: Earning your spot.
1: Exactly. Did you get
0: a special move? Uh, No, you didn't get a signature move.
1: At that point, no. (laughs) Okay. Were Um, you
0: learning like off the ropes and stuff like that? Yeah, I was
1: learning every like all the basic stuff first. So I think the camel clutch, the DDT. Look
0: at you. (laughs) The pile. I loved wrestling when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, by the third day, on the third day, I think they're like, Has the new girl bumped yet? Taken a bump yet? Bumping is like when you land on your back. Like, lots of wrestling moves, you have to land on your back. And I was like, No. And I was like, Terrified of bumping. And they were like, If, this is something that you need to do on your first day because if you can't bump then you're never going to come back to wrestling
0: meaning land on your back
1: yeah you have to learn how to fall yeah so i took my first bump like on the third day and it was like the scariest hardest thing ever so i stuck around so i i was in i was in the school for six months then eventually i was like this is enough i can't live in vegas anymore i have to go back home to l.a And I still had my apartment in L.A. So I was paying rent and living in Vegas and drinking every night, spending most of my money drinking. And so um, I went back home, I think after six months and thought like, you know, people are right. I'm never going to be a professional wrestler. You know, I don't know if I can continue doing this. I can't stay in Vegas anymore. I don't want to be in Vegas anymore. It's too much. Um, And I thought that was it. Like I wasn't going to be able to do it. And so, suddenly, <laughs> Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins follows me. Um, and I knew him because I knew him from the music industry. I'd interviewed him. I'd met him. Was he cool in person? Oh, I love Billy to death. Um, and I had been in a Smashing Pumpkins music video, too. Which one? At that time, it was Silvery Sometimes. Okay. Now I've been in two. How did you get in that first video? Casting. I was cast. So, he messages me. And crazy enough, there is a picture of me in the wrestling school with a Smashing Pumpkins shirt, okay, the day that he comes to my profile. And uh, on my bio on Instagram, it said, Future Star of Wrestling, because that was the name of my school, Future Stars of Wrestling. And he says, hi, Myra, are you wrestling? And I'm like, no, I'm still in school. I haven't even had my debut match yet. And Billy is the owner of the NWA, which is the National Wrestling Alliance, the oldest wrestling company How did, in the when world did he buy it maybe like five years ago or something incredible yeah that that's like his the, dream
0: it's also just like the the amount of crazy odds to get from everything that happened to you to billy corgan buying that thing that thing being the thing that, that influences you and and it's just like it's, it's crazy crazy yes. yeah
1: definitely and growing up idolizing rock stars loving the that's smashing what i'm pumpkins. saying exactly and then one a huge rock star discovers me and gives me an opportunity
0: so he's like what did he want you to do he wanted you to wrestle in the nwa
1: i told him like I'm, i haven't wrestled yet like i'm still really green like i'm still learning and he said that i could train with one of the wrestlers in the show and that he wanted to, me to come work for the nwa and um i could start out by being like a valet type thing a manager and then work myself up. And yeah, so I was like, of course. I'll, it's I'll probably, is, it, was it, is it
0: better to be the valet manager than the wrestler? Because you don't have to bump and do all that well, it crazy. Well, depends on what
1: you want to do, right? Did you hit
0: anyone in the head with a wooden chair? No. Smack- no, you didn't smash anyone with the chair? No.
1: I smacked someone pretty hard recently, though. Nice. Who was it? Natalia Markova, my enemy. All right. My Russian enemy. Nice. <laughs> so, so you're doing all this shit and you're drinking. Yes. Okay. So... Before I joined the NWA, at this point I become aware that I'm joining a professional industry. I have a responsibility, you know. I did all of this to get to this point and I got it and I'm very aware of my responsibility. And I don't want to disappoint Billy Corrigan.
0: Meaning you have a lot to live up to.
1: I have a lot to live up to. And I'm terrified. Like I've never worked for a wrestling company in my life. I don't even know what to expect, you know. So I tried to get sober for the first time before I joined the NWA. So I was sober for two months at that time.
0: And you just were like, I'm not drinking. I need to pull this off. Self will. Yeah. White knuckling. Whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So my first season there, I remember being at a house party after the filming and everybody was drinking. And I'm like, No, I just got sober, you know. But people didn't really take it seriously at that time, I think. I guess I just said I don't drink or something. They didn't really know that I. You had weren't a problem. like I'm an alcoholic yeah. and I'm sober. Yeah, yeah. And I then I went home uh, for Christmas and at Christmas I relapsed. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have a champagne with my mom, you know. And, and you
0: didn't know what that would turn into.
1: I thought like if I could do it for two months, then I can start again and do it again. And it wasn't really that easy at all to start again.
0: And you just started drinking again. Yeah, I did absolutely. Did you got a year though before that?
1: No, that was just a few months. Okay. Yeah, and at that point, I started training in LA with uh, one of the wrestlers in the show, Roy Isaacs, and we were training at David Arquette's house. Actually, David Arquette had a ring in his backyard, right, and was letting me use the ring.
0: He was he was wrestling. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah he's yeah, yeah, a wrestler
1: yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah, so I was training at uh, David's house. So this is like I'm taking this very seriously. You know, I'm not. What's a huge around. opportunity? Exactly. But anyway, so I'm drinking again. So then I come back for the first, second season. And during the second season, after filming is wrapped, they have a wrap party and there's lots of alcohol. At that point, I'm drinking tequila a lot. Tequila is my choice now. And I I literally drink so much tequila. I'm the last person in the studio. And like, I'm the new girl at this point. And this is not how I should behave, be behaving in any way. You know?
0: Was there any moments like in the end of your alcoholism where you were just like, like they had to carry you out of a place or was it like, were you very like controlled about where that you That's happened many times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Especially when I was younger. Yeah.
0: But and at this point, sure. like.
1: No, at this point I'm holding it together and you know. Desperately. Yeah. But I, I was pretty good of like not letting everybody know that I was an alcoholic, you know, because I was highly functioning. Like you said, like I was writing books. I was a journalist. I did this. I did that. So. Not everybody was aware that I was an alcoholic because I could hold it together in public. And
0: what was the relapse after Christmas? Like, how did that play out?
1: I just started drinking every day again, every night again. Yeah, pretty much like I'm at, you know, the wrap party and I'm having all this tequila. I'm the last person to leave the studio. Luckily, I didn't do anything stupid or embarrass myself, but I almost missed my flight home. Um, Is
0: Billy around all this stuff, or he, just he was pops at the party? Yeah, right.
1: yeah, yeah. He works with us on set. He's like my producer, writer. He's behind the camera with me the entire time that I'm filming. Incredible. Yeah, he's very hands on. His creative control of everything. He's um, a he's a character. I've he's heard. amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, he I'm a, so thankful. He's to him. a
0: very very visionary kind of guy. Exactly, which I love.
1: You know, and he took took his chance in this crazy dream of owning a wrestling company, you know. And it's and not everybody is behind him in the music industry, but he does what he wants. And-,
0: and he didn't know that you were alcoholic and drinking.
1: No, absolutely not. Well, now he does. How <laughs> did he find out? Because I got sober and became public about it. And we've talked about it many times at this point. But yeah, so after this is when the pandemic happens. So the world shuts down. So in a way, it kind of saved me because if I had continued the way that I was drinking at that point, I think that I would have, you know, messed it up pretty quickly.
0: It's very possible that yeah. you would have because I think you got lucky. I did. In that whole period of time where you were drinking, but you were, you know, protecting yourself because usually with alcoholism, that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. And it would have spiraled very, very quickly, you know, at any rap party where there was alcohol. And
0: matches and being on the road and all the crazy situations. You
1: can't can't be drinking and be in the ring. Did
0: you ever get in the ring drunk? No. Good. And I bet you if the pandemic hadn't happened, you would have been on the road and drugs would have popped up. Everyone is like, that's a big thing. Exactly. I had Jake the Snake Roberts on recently. Oh, yeah. And he has such good stories about uh, his. I'm sure his times were wild. Yeah, really crazy.
1: So COVID hits. Yeah. So. Again, alone by myself Invisible. in my apartment, you know, lockdowns, there is no beaches, there is no hikes, there is no gyms, there is no nothing, right? So, of course, the first thing I do is go back to really heavy drinking. And then at that point, I had been so disciplined with the wrestling and working out and dieting and all this stuff that I almost went like, oh my God, yes. Yes. I don't have to train or eat well or do anything that I, I have whatever to do. I want. I can do whatever the hell I want. And so like pretty much my lockdown was every day I'd buy a different bottle of alcohol and just like really junk food and just eat and drink the entire time.
0: No accountability. No whatsoever. accountability.
1: I would just think like, oh, if if the show comes back, I'll probably have like a month and I'll get sober that one month before the show comes back, you know,
0: and no relationship. Like, like, or did, were you, see, were you in a serious relationship? No,
1: not at all. I was alone, completely alone. Right. So and- I was dealing with all of those feelings all over again of being alone. Yeah. That was some something that I constantly repeated to people. I'm alone and nobody loves me. And this, this, this is still going on. This is still how I feel. No matter what I'm doing when I'm alone, that's how I feel. So the panic attacks just got worse than ever because I'm drinking every day. All through the day now, so I'm waking up now at like 10 a.m. and having tequila, or I I had a few days where I, I slept in bed with a tequila bottle. Wow! And that was like my comfort. And I remember telling one of my best friends, "Tequila is my best friend," and she actually got really angry She's at like, me no, and I'm didn't talk friend. to me for like two days. Right. She was like, "Is te- tequila who the fucking who you call when you're fucking having your panic attacks?" She was really mad. Yeah, it hurt her. Yeah, it did, and that that's how I felt though like I can only depend on tequila tequila is my best friend Uh, because I needed tequila to get through the loneliness and to get through the day and so the panic attacks started happening every single night so every day now I was waking up scared that by the end of the day I was gonna have a panic attack and during the panic attacks I would always feel like I wanted to die
0: and the panic attacks are just fear like misery fear
1: of dying but also wanting to die Because I'm alone and no one loves me.
0: When's the last time you had one?
1: That's what's the most amazing part about this entire story is that after I got sober, I never had one single panic attack.
0: And when you go to the doctor, he's like, I'm very interested in in these panic attacks, but we can't really get a good idea about them if you're drinking.
1: He said, well, it sounds like you're abusing alcohol. Very, very simply putting.
0: (laughs) Like, If you're sleeping with your bottle of tequila, you might be abusing alcohol.
1: Well, I had I had my therapist. I had been in therapy for like five years. And my therapist had always said that I needed to get sober. But in my head, it was never a possibility. I'd be like, I can't do that. That's just impossible. Right. You know, but she always, always wanted me to get sober. And then at this point, that's when she said, I am demanding you. To go to see the doctor now like you have to do this now so the doctor said you know this sounds like you're abusing alcohol and the first thing that we have to do is we have to get you sober because it could your panic attacks could be connected to your alcohol abuse and we might be able to to help your panic attacks just by not drinking and i think that you know through my entire life nobody had ever told me that it was possible to stop my panic attacks and that was like the one thing that I was so afraid of my whole life is having the panic attacks. And they were so, so, so bad that I just felt like I, I would do anything to not feel this ever again.
0: So the suggestion was like a ray of light.
1: Yeah, because he put it so simply, like it wasn't complicated at all. He said, no problem. You know, you just have to stop drinking and we might be able to stop the panic attacks. And I was like, what? Right.
0: Right. That's I, all I need to do? That's
1: all I needed to hear my whole life.
0: So what did he suggest know? to stop drinking?
1: So I got on this medication called a composite, and it worked out really well for me. So the first thing that I did actually, I went to Hawaii. So I stayed in Hawaii for like a month. And drying, that was my first drying out. Yeah, that was my first month of sobriety because the one thing that would make me feel good is being like under the sun and in the ocean and nature and stuff like that. So that really helped.
0: Did you have to tell Billy Corgan, like, I got to go to Hawaii for a month to dry out?
1: No, because our show was paused. Nice. Oh, because yeah. it was COVID. Yeah. All right. Perfect. We hadn't. We, we weren't filming at that time and we didn't even know if the show was going to come back at that time. And then I pretty much went public right away and told people that I was going to get sober because I felt that. If I put it out there and if I was public about it, I would hold myself accountable. You know, I would I would see it as a responsibility and it would help me.
0: How was the beginning of kicking, though?
1: It was horrible.
0: How yeah. is Hawaii that first month? Like, what did you do?
1: Just swam in the ocean and hiked. You know, s- sports are the things that help that have helped me the most through everything.
0: Even though you're not athletic.
1: Well, at that point, I'm super athletic. Right.
0: Right. So then you <laughs> now found- I
1: lift people in my back.
0: Right. <laughs> So you found that this outlet, yeah. this physical outlet, changed oh, it's your life. So
1: so essential for my life. I wish that I had always been an athlete.
0: Right. Well, maybe you were. You just weren't participating. Yeah. And and what were the first few months of sobriety?
1: Um, cried a lot. You know, still felt the same feelings that I was alone, and uh, felt like I wasn't going to be able to have a relationship again because I didn't know how to interact with someone else without alcohol. Right. You know, had the scariest first date of my entire life, so where I felt like I couldn't speak, like my voice wouldn't come out. When was the
0: first date? Tell us about that. This is a, oh that's a great God. story for us.
1: Okay. I think it was about three months into sobriety. Who was the guy? Oh, I don't want to say names.
0: Does it rhyme with Handin Lovac?
1: Stop it. <laughs> no, that's not him. Okay. That was someone else.
0: Okay. I don't mean who was the guy, you don't have to tell me his name, but he was, yeah. did you, how did you mean it?
1: We had been talking through the entire lockdowns. So he was a person that I talked through the entire thing and that often checked in on me. And I would tell him I was in depression. I'm an alcoholic. Now I want to get sober. So I would I was talking to him about everything that was going on. I didn't imagine that we were actually going to meet and have a relationship. So I was like just very honest with him through the entire thing because he was one of the people that always checked on me.
0: And was the first date really, really scary? Really scary. What did you do? Did you play mini golf?
1: No, we we drove up to a mountain somewhere. I can't remember where it was. But I felt like I couldn't speak. Like my voice wouldn't come out. And that was one of the hardest things in the beginning because I I couldn't feel any confidence. And I, I felt like I couldn't be myself. The way that I speak now was not how I spoke then.
0: Totally. Yeah. And how did you get your confidence back?
1: I I know that you're not supposed to date in your first year of sobriety i did you did too i I did yeah yes but i think that him being there for me was one of like the things that helped me the most because he didn't he wasn't he's not sober but he just doesn't drink right so i didn't have that issue with him and it was more like him helping me ease into like learning how to date being sober
0: right did but did it did it trip up your codependency and like your need your your need for a relationship and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah.
1: I wasn't like officially dating him or anything, but we were casually dating and talking pretty much every day, but yeah, feelings were very intense. Um he he was going through a divorce actually. So he was also kind of learning how to date.
0: Right. No, but it's it's so funny how like when we're in that period and we feel so alone, somebody being into you yeah. and you being able to have somebody, it's like it's like lets you it's a comfort. Yeah. But it's like it's scary that you needed it and then you got it. So what happens when you don't have it?
1: Right. And so about like five or six months in, he's kind of going through his own troubles with his separation and he realizes he's not ready to have a deeper emotional relationship. Right. So it kind of ends. You know, and that was probably another another very, very, very difficult period for me. Scary. because the one thing that triggers me very much is heartbreak.
0: Loneliness, Loneliness. That same thing. Mm-hmm. So how did you get through it?
1: <sighs> I cried a lot for many, many months, but I stuck to my sports routine, and I think that helped a lot. I was weightlifting. I was doing boxing. I was doing Pilates. So I, I tried to stay very active because that's the thing that helps me the most. And but then, I pretty much cried for like six months.
0: And when did you get, when, when was your sober date?
1: Uh, November 28, two years and four months ago. Actually, today is my anniversary. Two years, four months.
0: Well, congratulations. Thank you. So since then, for two, two years and four months, yeah. how do you feel? I mean, Amazing. when did you come out?
1: Amazing. When did you
0: come out to the world as as out and proud second and sober? Month, second month. Was that weird?
1: No, I actually felt very confident and brave doing it. And I got such positive responses from everybody that it really gave me lots of strength to continue doing it.
0: And I'm surprised that nobody suggested 12 Step to you in the beginning. Oh,
1: definitely. They I was, did? Yeah. And I was watching uh, meetings online for maybe the... First two or three months.
0: But you didn't participate?
1: No, I just watched it. I think I didn't feel confident to talk yet.
0: Right, right. It's interesting. Yeah. Now, how have you worked on your codependency stuff?
1: I learned to really love being by myself. And it's hard to even tell you how I got there. How did you get there? Just doing it day by day, I think.
0: Do you You do a lot of therapy?
1: I do a lot of therapy. You know, I have my routine nowadays. You know, I go to the gym every day. I lift weights. I do different classes. But also, I'm very busy now. So career-wise, I'm always traveling from one city to the other.
0: Busy is good, right?
1: Yeah, busy is always good. You know, I I I film wrestling and... I'm actually working as the backstage reporter in the NWA. Um, You're like
0: a Mean Gene Okerlund. Exactly. Do you, That's do my you ever job. watch Mean Gene? Of course. Oh, Legend. He's great. Yeah. He's great. So and are you enjoying that? Have you ever thought about scripting any of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have lots of ideas.
0: Do it. Yeah. Write it out. Yeah. You need to do it. And let me just tell you this. Because you wrote three books, you can do that. Yeah you have to fucking jump in mm-hmm. because this is, it's going to just happen. If you do it, you need to get these books translated. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the Brazilian S.E. Hinton in America in a second, just based on the the story. What's wrong with that? Why do you get that face?
1: No, it's exciting. It's very
0: exciting. Yeah. And, and you've been living by yourself in LA and yeah. how's your brain?
1: I actually learned to love being by myself. I I love having my personal space. I have like my spiritual routine. I like my. I light my candles and I meditate.
0: How much do you meditate?
1: Every night, pretty much. How
0: long do you do it for?
1: Maybe an hour.
0: No way. Yeah. I, tell me about what you do to meditate.
1: I. I mean, I light candles and I. Do say, you chant?
0: Yeah. No. What is the the Buddhist? No, chant? I just
1: try to feel gratitude. Like every night, I try to think of the things that I'm grateful for and be thankful for them. And then focus on what I want next, pretty much. And
0: you sit for an hour. I do. Every night?
1: Every night. It's incredible. Yeah. I do my little tarot too. I love doing tarot. Tarot.
0: What, what, yeah. do, what do you learn from the tarot?
1: I get messages from the spirit world.
0: Where's the, do you have any cards?
1: Right here now.
0: Where do you have them? At the hotel? Yeah. At next the hotel. time you got to do my reading. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, I appreciate you coming down. I think this has been amazing. I need to know though, Brandon Novak. He's a sex symbol of the Dopey Nation. And my intern, Claire, said you need to ask her about Brandon.
1: I think Brandon's like a really inspiring person. Totally. His transformation is incredible. Yes. He gave me his books, and I'm actually halfway through uh, Streets of Baltimore. Oh, yeah. And I didn't meet Brandon as an addict, right? I I met him as this really stand-up person that he is today. Sure. So it's like really shocking to read how he used to be. But he's definitely been like very inspiring to me.
0: But what I wanna know is was Dopey a date? You ma- gotta
1: ask him that question.
0: Okay, Myra, thank you.
1: Thank you so much. This was fun. This was so much fun.
0: Right on. So that was Myra Gomez. Check her out at uh, the National Wrestling Alliance. Check out her books. She is a phenomenon, I have to say. And I want to give one more huge shout-out to 0.0 Productions. They made The Last Jewish Waiter uh, weird reel that you could watch on Patreon. It's really pretty solid. Aurora's in it. Uh, I actually smoke weed in it. And um, they gave us the space, which was incredible. So thank you to Chris Collins and 0.0. And... We're gonna finish the show down by the Great South Bay with Fentanyl J. So here he is, your favorite uh, fentanyl dealer, J. So what's going on? We're, we're sitting at uh, Foster Park Beach, scenic Foster Park. Is this a is this a marina?
2: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, we called it Shorm when we were growing up. Shorm? I, I don't know why. It's just like the name that was passed down because we still drink
0: right over here. But would they say shorem? Like What's shorem. It? Shorem. Shorem. Is that a town? Coram is a town. Yeah. So do you think it's like by the shore? Yeah, it's possibly. It's possible. There was a time here that there was this handmade wooden boat called the Flying Zucchini <laughs> that they put in this, in this little place and someone stole it. No way. And then there were signs like...
2: Have you seen the zucchini? Have you seen the
0: Flying <laughs> Zucchini? And I was like, wonder what happened. It was handmade wooden beautiful boat. Green... Wow like a, a zucchini it's a nice steal. now wonder if the dopey nation had hands in that you know welcome back to the show jay thanks i remember when you i, I thought about this the other day mm. first time you come on the show people were reaching out we were to here you, you were, yeah we were here people were reaching out to you though you were like spotted they'd be like oh my god i heard you on this they would call you write you is yeah. that true yeah. yeah so last time you were on the show yeah you told a story about getting so drunk and cursing out the cops in yeah. Patchogue. Did anyone contact you? Yeah. Who contacted a vegan. you? Vegan. What did he say? Bro,
2: he's like, because he knows the gas station owner that I know. He what knows Binda. Is? Binda. He knows Binda, and uh, at work they're avid listeners, bro. Vegan and the Surf Goddess. They right. hear everything.
0: Okay, but but when you came on that first time, weren't like people coming out of the woodwork? Yeah, people I didn't even people I didn't even know.
2: Cause you know what it was? Someone I think you put a picture on uh, ins, I don't right, know, yeah, on, yeah, on some yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then people—that's when people, yeah, yeah, two yeah, people yeah. I didn't even know, asked me. That's, that's what it was. Yeah.
0: And w- before we do anything, what the fuck is Ulker? Oh, that's uh, uh like some Nazi that's candy. Turkish chocolate.
2: Turkish tr- from Binda? F- from no, my other gas station, Bodega Buddy. That's from fucking uh, the guy right around the block from your house.
0: Oh, well, what's his name? Eric
2: oh. and Charlie.
0: Which guy? By
2: the But train it's, station? it's from yeah. But it's from the old guy that works there. It's always from the gas. The old guy, no
0: English. They're all they're all Turkish around here. All right? of
2: them. Yeah. So if you ever want to say goodbye, you say
0: guru shoot us. It means see you later. All right. That's very very.
2: And interesting. then you say assalamu alaikum when you're pulling up. Do
0: you say that? Yeah. Because they're all Muslim. Yeah.
2: Do the, they say alaikum assalam? That's beautiful. Yeah.
0: All right. So last time you were on the show, you weren't assalamu alaikumming any police officers. No, I
2: wasn't. Vegan was like, bro, what the fuck? No, he's like, bro. He said it to me at work, so we had to be like subtle, you know right. He was like, "Oh yeah, bro, fucking Binda knows us like, yeah, like we know Binda, like we know and on that right then and there. I knew he fucking listened. and then he was like, "Oh bro, you gotta show me the videos." And then I showed him the videos.
0: I have a friend who's a police officer who is like, "You are so lucky. yeah, you didn't get locked up. Yeah, I've seen the videos. I showed Evan the video. he was he was shocked and dismayed. Oh, really? Yeah. Shocked. Oh, fuck. Evan. Shocked and dismayed. Oh, He's fuck. like, what's he doing? And then, and then Evan said, if I had this charge over my head, I yeah. might be doing the same thing. Now, we are weeks and weeks away. Yeah. And, and the Dopey Nation wants to know, have you been fucking it up? Have you been putting liquid LSD in your eyes? I'm fucking down. No, I haven't.
2: <laughs> what's happening? I haven't. I've been fucking doing my best to be good, you know? I've been doing, I haven't drank in three weeks.
0: 20 days. 20 days. Here, knock the vape against the car. That's the old tradition.
2: Wait, I got wood grain somewhere. No, it's my other car. That's fine. It's
0: fake wood. Yes. All right. Congratulations. Yep. What have you been doing? What's different?
2: Um. How do you feel? I feel good. I mean, I fucking. uh, I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not there. Fucking spiritually, mentally. Fucking.
0: So where? Where are you?
2: Uh, I, I just keep I I I keep distracted. You know, I stay distracted from from real things, you know? I do a lot of things to just distract myself.
0: Be specific. What are you are you distracting yourself from cravings or from fear?
2: No, 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 not from cravings. Um you were drinking. Sometimes from drinking. Yeah, sometimes so, from drinking I'll be distracting myself. I've been doing lots of fucking like shit I wouldn't do. Like I went roller skating, I go on walks in fucking nature trails and shit. See, these
0: are the great sober moves. Yeah,
2: I've been doing I've been doing a lot of that good shit, you know.
0: So you, you've been roller skating? I went
2: roller skating yesterday. I'm going on a nature walk today. Nature- I did the same shit last week. Oh, I did the same shit last week. Yeah. I uh. What else did I it's do? It's funny
0: because you wear the headphones and you still I know, I take up. the mic away from me. I, I don't I understand what, what's the combination. Maybe there?
2: we need to get one of those that fucking clip up.
0: That's what Amelia says. Up. Amelia's like, you need mic stands because I'm yelling at everybody to put me the mic Me and Amelia
2: away. are fucking on the same wave. So-
0: what I'm saying Big is, shout out to Amelia. It seems as though you got into your sultry voice to yeah. shout out. You're, <laughs> sounded- you're, you're imagining Amelia editing. You're imagining Big. Amelia editing. And then like you imagine your voice is in Did her head so voice you. Like, Big shout out to Amelia. <laughs> I love, I love. Jay, Jay's like, I wear the headphones, so I feel like I'm mixing and mastering. It's like, yeah. I, he's also, I read the books by the bay just in case anyone can see me yeah. read the book so I look smart. Yeah, looking what smart, are, what cool. are some other things like that?
2: Uh, I'm an asshole. I don't know. Those are two prime examples, I guess, right there. Do you have glasses? No, I do. I, do. Could, I do. No, no, no. no I do. I level. do. But fucking, they're a little too small, you know? I'm trying to go around and look, you know, professional.
0: But if you had glasses, that could be the next level. Big
2: Oh, big time. Big
0: move, little horn, right? horn rim. Action Maybe get right? like
2: a fucking a little notepad or something so I can just
0: pull it out and start pretending to, to write. Or you could. I mean, like, I don't know. I think glasses could be a big, a big problem. So I don't the,
2: know how it look like because I have some. They're a little small. I got a big head, but I'm also Asian, you know? So like she's so got a big Asian head, like a big Asian <laughs> head with little Asian eyes, you know. So like I'm not sure you need big
0: glasses. <laughs> yeah, big, yeah. I yeah. I got a big head too, yeah, and, and I and I have little eyes too. Yeah, you do. I know. We're <laughs> very similar. Big head, little eyes. I'm with you. <laughs> you do now. Lots of people freaked out about the drunk cop thing. First of all, yeah, I want to say That was a bad move on my part. Congratulations though on the 20 days. Oh, like thanks. that's not nothing. It's not. It's t- and 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 honestly, if you if you hear what you're saying. You're roller skating. Mm -hmm. You're hanging out with friends. Mm -hmm. You're going to the gym. Mm -hmm. You're doing nature walks. I'm playing Pokemon Go. Playing Pokemon Go.
2: Playing Pokemon Go. Wherever you go? Most places now. Yeah. Cause now it's a fucking competition. I know it was a big thing years ago. I didn't play it. So I downloaded it a week ago. And you're enjoying it. I'm fucking crushing it.
0: It's kind of like your social media. Yeah. It's my social
2: media outlet. Yeah.
0: All right. Yep. Now people have been, a lot of people have been writing me saying that you shouldn't i shouldn't have you on the show that it's not good for you they think it's not good for your case mm. it's not good for you it's mm. not good for me you want to hear one of the emails i oh, got shit yeah is featuring not good for anyone jay and his exploits now doing more harm than good he is likable clever and charming and has features of antisocial personality so. the law doesn't apply to me isn't ah. it hilarious how i do all these despicable things mm. that endanger my life and the lives of mm. other innocent bystanders preach. he is coming off less like a hapless goof mm-hmm. and more like a malevolent asshole oh fuck preach man. both things can be true Your efforts to hold him accountable and help him see the light are conflicting with the evidence of his misdeeds, Mm. inability, or unwillingness to stay sober. Mm. I don't have any answers. This issue feels sad, and I wonder if you, me, and the rest of the audience are complicit in his inevitable downfall. Mm. I know, that's rough. Mm. Thanks for all you do to help humanity. Be careful uh, with Jay, he is not beyond redemption but he requires thoughtful handling and needs expert care. Wow. That's Mary.
2: Mary thought about that. Right? She used some fucking... Complicit was a good word. Complicit.
0: Now, I'm going to say this. I have you on the show mostly Mm -hmm. uh, because I love talking to you. Yeah. I think you're funny. I think you're smart. I think you're great on the show. Mm. Number two, I think you've been through hell. Mm. You've done crazy shit, Mm. and you're willing to talk about it. Yeah. Number three... You want something better for your life. I do. And you wouldn't, I know you wouldn't do this if you didn't.
2: Exactly. And we kick it outside of the show.
0: Yeah, of course. You know, so like, so you know me a
2: little bit better than Mary, you know?
0: Uh, Well, I just think that it's important to discuss this. And I think Mary should know, the Dopey Nation should know. And And it's something that I know about you. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you would do the show mm-hmm. if you didn't have a desire to, to actually be, be on the right yeah, foot. To be better. Yeah. What do you think,
2: Jeff? I think you're right. And I think that, um, see, I think uh, I could see how she's saying what she's saying about how, like, you know,
0: my unwillingness to get better. and, like, well, but you have to let's let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes. Last week, you're calling the cops bitches in a blind drunk the week before the week before you were flashback to florida where you had the gun in the fucking room stay down you know that was that was the yeah that was the last two appearances so like they have this this view but i but i it's not bad i think that what it means to me Mm -hmm. is like You've, you're putting days together. Yeah, you're coming back. You're yeah. like Rocky training. Yeah, chasing the chicken in the street. Yeah, all that stuff. So I, I personally, and I, I also think, I don't know if Dopey helps you or not. I know that you help Dopey, and I, yeah, and of I, course it helps me. And I like to think that. It's it's a fun outlet of recovery. It is. This is probably, yeah, it is. Because I
2: always say that. Like, what, what the fuck do I do? You know, this is good. This is, I feel like it's good for me. I don't know about the show or number or any of that. But I feel like it's good for me. And also, like, it's it's fucked up because like when I say when I look back you know oh like whether she said whether I don't know what she said she used so many good words but like a hapless goof or like a fucking malevolent dickhead or whatever the asshole um, I think yeah she said <laughs> yeah it's because you know at this point in time well the fucking cop thing was kind of fresh but everything else. We're going back years for, you know, like four years, five years. We're going back years for a lot of this stuff, you know. So at this point, it's like I have to fucking laugh about it or else I'll fucking cry about it,
0: you know. Well, that's the nature of the show, too. You know, that's the total point. Yeah. But I I also think. You know, hapless goof, malevolent asshole. I do not want these words to haunt you.
2: No, I, 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 be- I probably won't even remember please, malevolent tomorrow. Re- <laughs> I think I don't know.
0: You invoked it really you saw quick. that Yeah, real quick. Real quick it makes me nervous. Recall. I'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night. Fuck Jay <laughs> thought malevolent about malevolent asshole. asshole, and Jay was sitting there. But yeah. no, I mean, like you are one of the most polarizing guests we've ever had, which means, and I would say you are. Seven to three liked versus hated. Eh, it's pretty good. That's coming from you. Well, it's, no, it's pretty good. It's I probably I, I, like 5-5. Five, five. No way. I speak the truth, 100%. Right, okay. But what I want to know is you put 10 months together. Yeah. You did the, the six months of pretty much straight drinking. You, you put the 20 days of clean time together, then the 30 days of drinking. Yep. We're back. Yep. How does it feel? What does recovery feel like? Do you think about it at all? It feels
2: good. It feels good to not
0: drink, I, but I'm not doing anything. Same thing.
2: I'm not, I'm not, I'm doing like, you know, distractions, fun outlets like this. I'm not like with you. I don't go to the meetings. You know what? I need like some, I need to take some, take some advice. I should be writing in the morning. I think that'd help align my fucking mind. All right. Body and spirit. I should, you know, I should start, you know, few weeks to like, Be, like, separated it from it. Not that I'm separated from drinking so much, but, like... A few weeks is something. Yeah, it's, like, you know, a little separation. Then I got to, you know, now it's time. Probably start, like, mapping out goals, like... And it's not, like, life goals, because who knows where my life's going to be in a few... But it's, like like, inside goals, internal, you know. Not, like, I want to have this much money by this date, you know. More, like, I want to fucking... I want to like be able to wake up and, and 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 have my day set, you know, like okay, wake up, write, read, gym, fucking go out, walk, and they, you know, on days I don't work, I want to have, I want to be aligned. I don't know how to describe it. No, I, I think you describe it nicely to align, you know, because I because I need, I got a little separation now, and now it's time, you know, now it's the time where I have to like work, you know.
0: Now if I'm gonna work. You stop going to
2: meetings, and I'm very fucking conflicted. What do you? Conflicted I'm, not, about? I'm conflicted because like being sober, there's there's only benefits from it. There's really no bad effects from it, you know, except for the only
0: bad effects is you don't get to whore around. You don't Patch get up. to go out and fucking yeah, yeah. But you've done it.
2: Yeah. So that's probably the only bad effect. So so I'll think like oh sometimes I really really want to fucking go all in, you know, and other times. It's like, fuck, like, I don't know if I want to fucking go all in. You know, I don't know if I want to fucking do every, you know.
0: Describe that a little bit more.
2: It's like, I wasn't sober for a long time. I was over 10 months, right? And I've been, you know, court ordered to fucking rehab. And, you but know, I've in done, those
0: 10 months, man, you were doing serious work. That's what I'm saying. And you were showing up in different, you weren't just going to the beach. Meeting. Yeah. You I were was, going to weird meetings at
2: night. You yeah, were yeah. meeting
0: people. You were telling your story. Yeah, yeah. You were helping people.
2: Especially because like, uh, even when I got there, At first, whatever, but from when I got out of fucking rehab from fucking wherever, Port Jefferson, whatever, like when I got out, A, I knew that I was on fucking thin ice because then I still had like three state open. I was on really, really thin ice back then. You were scared to death. Yeah, I was really. Yeah, because because worse comes, you know, I get picked up here, do a sentence. They hold you. You walk out the front doors for the next state to come pick you up, do your sentence, and then you walk out the doors for the next state to pick you, you know? So like I was on really, really thin ice, granted. But like when I was fucking when I did get out and stuff, and I came around, I saw like Ian, I saw Wheeze at like me I saw people that I used to know that were fucking So the first time you saw
0: Weeze was at a meeting? Yeah. You hadn't called him.
2: No. Well, we spoke before I got arrested in fucking Ohio, we we were speaking, you know, like he but knew he what I was doing. But he didn't know that you
0: were gonna turn up sober in a meeting. No, he had no idea. What did he freak
2: out? No, he actually, he actually, I actually called him when I was down bad because we were like best friends, you know. I call and he's I think going on four years sober now or some shit or something. He you just know? had another kid. Right? Yeah, exactly. He's like yeah, doing his thing, you know. And he was he was like me. He like was a you know degenerate drug dealer, drug whatever, you know. So I fucking called him one day. 'Cause I've I've he he went down the slopes a lot faster than me because he was like a drug abuser that sold drugs you know you were to, a drug dealer that abused, that abused drugs. yeah That's it's so funny it's a little yeah. fucking it's, it's the I same it. shit but it's backwards you know it's very similar he went different. downhill so fast when we were selling he went downhill so fast he was always the guy like fucking i do like half a blue he'd be doing like eight of them right you know like he, he was always that guy so he was fucking with like really hard shit a lot earlier than i was so he went down the tubes pretty fast and um he's called me when he was you know low and i fucking i didn't i wasn't i didn't know sober thing i didn't know what the fuck to do or whatever but um i've like helped him out you know what did you financially say? whatever you right. know i didn't know if the, you were not supposed to do this shit but right, like you right. call me when you're down bad you're my friend i'm not like in the sober fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. element of shit so i just you know would fucking help him out but then when i finally fucking apparently this is when i spoke to him when i got Arrest in Ohio, quarter to rehab, left rehab, whatever. One time, and I never left rehab, that always got kicked out. Always. Like, kind of on purpose, you know? Oh Did you get kicked out that time? Yeah. For what? Ah, uh, bro, I don't know. I, would, I don't know. I was fucking... What did you do? I was off the shit. on Every rehab I've ever been to, except for the last one, I was kicked out.
0: But what would you... Why so were like, you kicked out of the last so one? So, like, I was kicked out of... Most times... Actually, give us your greatest hits of getting
2: kicked out of rehab. A lot of times, it was just fucking... one. okay. L I C R, fucking out east. First yeah. time I went there, this is like when I'm first initially. This is like fucking before. This is like court shit. I, I it was, I thought it was all bullshit. I always you were a kid. Yeah, I thought selling it was, coke exactly. I thought it was all bullshit, and I, I'd, I'd be on probation, and I never stopped smoking weed. I never stopped fucking, you know, doing what I want to do, cocaine, whatever was. Not like then it was a serious problem, but I never stopped it, right? So I'd always like tie piss up around my fucking, I, I get a, a noose, a soft. Newspaper comes in soft plastic, right? Yes. I'd get like that soft plastic. Yes. I'd have someone, one of my someone I know, my little sister, someone pee in a cup. I'd put it, put it in that soft plastic, and I'd pull it so it's like stretches really thin, okay. you know? Yeah. And then I tie it up, and then when there's a mirror over the probation fucking toilet, so I'd start peeing, and normally when you start start peeing, they like look away. So, like, I'd start peeing in the urinal. I'd hold it, and then I'd pop the bag and get it all in my fingers, whatever. But it'd go in the bag, whatever, right? So, I was doing that so for a while. So, you'd be long. able
0: to get the little thin plastic thing out. Yeah, so thin. I just, I'd literally just
2: pluck the corner off and, like, hold it. Yeah, pluck, pluck the corner Worked every off. time. Like it's like a charm, Amazing. right? Till it didn't one time, right? Then I got busted. Uh, they called me i only failed for like fucking weed and it might have been cocaine i was like 19 or something i was young but that's what started this whole shit of being on probation you know continuously going back and forth on probation so this one time i'm getting out of rehab in fucking no this is why i went to rehab in long and l-i-c-r yes i'm fucking with this chick the first time ever in rehab bro ever and my sister's in the was in the program so she knows everyone that works there they're all our friends and stuff they all know you they all know me i'm fucking they have like a nice serene like koi pond right like outside oh, boy. you know yes you're not supposed to fucking
0: have sex next to it
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to do anything crazy yeah, over right. there right and they fucking came out i still know i still see this kid all the time because dirty tacos. his name's henry he's, he's a gay kid he's super super fucking cool did he blow you by the coin? No, plant? yeah. <laughs> that, would be, that would be it, right? right. But they were always yelling at me for fraternizing, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm fucking sitting there. It's like 3 in the morning. and I'm supposed to be outside of your bed. but Like I'm smoking a cigarette. I'm getting fucking... I forget if I was getting a hand job, if I was getting like top. But eating. not Henry. No. Okay. Henry was the one... Who busted you? Who walked out You're on me. Diabolical. And then he goes... Oh, my God. Yo, he screams, oh, my God, put your dick away. Wow. I was like, oh, shit. Then I go back there after this whole Ohio shit, court ordered again. Back to LICR. Yeah. Same Koi they Pond. They did not want to let me back. No. They were like, no, you can't come back. Did they
0: Did they like shut down the Koi Pond just they, in case?
2: No, fucking uh, under
0: construction put the people in hazmat suits over there
2: no access no shot (laughs) they fucking like i had to like bet because i didn't want that's like the nicest one on the island i think so like i wanted to go back there because it was so nice you know and uh they finally let me back in right oh god and fucking like the second day or some shit i don't know what happened i I was kicked out of the time in between there too this might be my third time there whatever I fucking <laughs> flip out I, Basically, long story short, bro I fucking, when I don't want to be somewhere I'll freak out on the staff I'll ch- fucking fight with a fucking Another junkie, whatever I have to do, so about when I get kicked out It's like, look, I fucking didn't leave You know, like it was If it was up to me, you'll, I would stay. You'll set
0: up some crazy reason for them to kick you out Yeah,
2: and then this one time I'm getting kicked out of someone All the way out east This is when I'm down bad Like the cops raided everywhere, I had nothing You know I fucking call Ian. and I'm like, bro, you have to come get me. Right. You know, you have to come get me. Like, bro, please just come get me. And he's a sober guy. So he's like, oh, I'll help you out. He, he was sober then. Yeah, yeah, this is this was right after Ohio, right after so everything So he had happened. like a year or something. Yeah, a year or two, something like that, yeah. And uh, he picks me up and we're driving. And I don't even remember this because like I don't do Xanax. I'm not good with Xanax, right? They I was like told them I'd do like fuck 10 bars a day or whatever, and I take a little bit before I go in there. Yeah. And then uh they give me like Klonopin and stuff. That's a lot of the times why I'd freak out and get so wild.
0: Cause shit. you were on the Klonopin. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So fucking they gave that to me. I love the Klonopin. Uh, yeah, that was nice, I right? Really, I really love really, it. That shit just is a blackout, really, for I, me. I, I can't remember years.
0: Years of <laughs> just gone. Years, years to the k pin big time yeah big time see so that's what it does bro and i don't know it's sad it. though because like i do this show about my exploits and, and your exploits are it. black yeah, hole total, in your black, <laughs> brain <laughs> total
2: black. anyway so ian picks you he up he picks me up and i'm fucking we're all the way out east like it's somewhere all the way out east like quag or some some facility out there and he picks me up and uh he tells me this i don't even remember this he's like all right so where are we going? Because he's a sober guy. So his way of helping me out was like, we're bringing you to another rehab. You know, like, all right, well. You, you know. And then I guess I didn't know that. You were that like, I was going. Right, And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I'm not fucking going to another rehab. Like, what are you talking? This is when I sold my Supreme hoodies and shit. I remember it now. He's like, yeah. He tells me <laughs> the shit later. This is when you fucking, he's like, we get to Nichols Road. And he's about to go one way. I make, I make him say, Oh, we're going back to my. But he's like, at one point, he's like, Jay, I'm bringing you to a rehab. Like, because he's a sober guy, you know? I'm mm-hmm. bringing you to a rehab. And apparently, I
0: fucking. You clocked, Nope. You, you cock the gat and say, I <laughs> want <laughs> we my. Ain't fucking going. In. Exactly.
2: I duck and rolled out the car with No, my, you didn't. I did. Yeah, you so, opened the door and opened you, the door and on said, Nichols I'm. Nichols Road? At the end of Nichols Road. Down said, the embankment. Said, I'm not fucking going. What did you do? I, I have my bag of clothes, and that's when that was the last of that.
0: So, where did you turn? That's where you sold the Supreme so hoodies. I sold Some, like
2: a bunch of Supreme hoodies. Where did you sell them? A Babe hoodie, City Swag, and Patch That
0: spot? Yeah. On that corner? Yeah. They used to be the flea
2: market, those guys. There's
0: like 10 fucking uh, pawn shops right there. I know. So, you're so, then, and then you just fucking turned up somewhere, bought drugs. Where did you go? You went home? no i don't remember where i went after that honestly and then the next time you saw ian was at the meeting
3: yes
2: that's crazy then the next time i saw him was at the meeting and he's like oh shit i was like yeah bro (laughs) you know but that's what makes you stay a little bit seeing people like ian or like
0: meeting friends like you know listen i mean i think uh people there's people in the Dopey nation that are not 12-step people yeah but it's like i just think what do you think
2: we want i want to talk to those guys I want. They should fucking write in or email or whatever the fuck. What are you asking? I'm asking like for all the sober people yes. that aren't 12-step people. What are you doing? Like what's going on? And I'm saying sober, sober. Like no alcohol, no weed sober.
0: So no no kratom, no, no alcohol, no weed. No kratom, no alcohol, no weed. No pin on the side. No K-pin. No bottle full of liquid No LSD, fucking weekend mushy, mushy nothing, trip. No, you're talking sober, sober. Sober. All right. Call to the Dopey Nation. What are you guys doing to stay sober that isn't 12-step? I personally think... I mean, what did you hate? And I want—I just, just want to know this. Mm-hmm. Why are you so resistant to it? I'm just curious. To the 12-step? Sure. Not even so much this. You even liked it. It's like it doesn't yeah. make any sense. You I, fucking would do fire shares. Everyone would roll. Yeah, see, fucking. I don't even
2: like that shit, though. But I'm you, fucking... But I don't, you, don't like it
0: anymore, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because... I personally think it's because you went out and you don't want to fucking turn up, fucking yeah. have three weeks... Blah 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 That's possible I, I fucked don't want to see up. the same people. You were the hero To all these people And now you're not the hero Yeah
2: but I don't even Want to fucking. You know what I think bro I think a lot of it is like What is it It's like a lot of these people For You know the one thing That everyone's guilty of At those places yes. That everyone's guilty of That happens all the time But I don't like Yes oh, we haven't seen fucking XYZ in fucking two so, weeks, but, but, so he's probably fucking ABCing down on 123 you street. were
0: ABCing on 123 Yeah, one, two, I get it, but,
2: but... Twice. Yeah, I get it, but, like, I think a lot of it, maybe not so much at the beach, as older people or whatever. They don't
0: fucking give a fuck. They don't fuck. give a They'd shit. They'd be so happy you turn up. Yeah, but it's like, I don't like... You remember when Ray the like Clammer was like, Ray the Clammer goes... Alcohol. I know alcoholics anonymous is <laughs> a, a miracle. <laughs> when rake, when they let Jay collect the money. <laughs> <laughs> he is funny. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Um, listen, you should come back. You should stop being what, so, so fucking all proud. All these people
2: go around
0: oh, and boy. they fucking give their there fucking go.
2: views. Yes. Their fucking. And you know what? Yeah, you can learn from everyone. Blah blah blah. Right. But everyone's shit
0: doesn't stink over there, right? See, I had an experience like that recently. I hadn't been to a meeting in a minute, mm-hmm. and, I was, and I wasn't feeling very good. Mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling very spiritually fit. Not if you, spiritually. If you lied. get my drift, yeah. and I was like, I don't want to fucking go. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear that fucking bullshit, and I'm like, I'm all fucked up, and I need to hear them say how great they are, yep. and you know they're not fucking great. But I went, and you know what happened? Nice little little spiritual medicine, and I, I don't <laughs> give a fuck. Fuck them. I don't. You got give the spiritual a- medicine. I did. Me, and I have bad news for you. What? Friday morning. You're the guru. I'm the guru. <laughs> the Friday, <spiritual> morning. guru. <laughs> Friday morning. guru. Uh, Friday morning, you're coming with me. That's it. No bullshit.
2: Friday's top. Oh, boy.
0: If I just <laughs> Let, me my 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 Let me take calendar. my schedule. Wait, you work Thursday night? I work, yeah, well, Thursday, Friday,
2: Saturday. Tomorrow,
0: Sunday. tomorrow I can't go. Tomorrow, I can't go. But listen, we're getting you Wait, back. you can't go tomorrow?
2: Ah, uh, that's the day I was going to fucking say You can say.
0: go without me. They no, that's either. the day I was going to say oh, here we go you ready all right got another email before we go dear dave i realized i never fully explained the bernese method of transitioning to subs remember that the bernese bernese yeah 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 yeah. basically you start with a very small dose of subs while you are still using your drug of choice heroin oxy fentanyl etc how does that work you i don't know wouldn't that, wouldn't that send you into precipitated? Yeah, or,
2: or like it blocks it if you
0: take it before. Yeah, if it's like yeah, precipitated, yeah, if you take it after. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I don't know. Maybe take a little bit before. Yeah, you take do ton- double drugs Shush. after.
0: You slowly <laughs> increase the dose of subs for about a week. While you decrease your intake of whatever you're trying to kick, if done correctly, by the time you are ready to jump off your drug of choice... Your body should already have a high enough dose of subs in your system Mm. to allow for an easier transition to a full dose. Mm. The morning after my last dose of H, which is heroin if you're confused, I took a full eight milligram strip and avoided the precips. I had about three days of feeling like shit and then was back to just about 100% after. This method is intended for people like me who can't handle withdrawals and can't wait 24 hours to take the subs.
3: Mm. It's a great
0: idea. I am still actively tapering. I will generally stay on a consistent dose for a week and then drop down a milligram or so. I'm currently on two milligrams, but will be dropping to 1.5 in a few days. The craziest part is that I was contacted out of the blue my second day off of heroin. He says H, but I say heroin. Off of H by an old connect that said he was holding. You ready for this? Mm. I actually turned him down, which, Mm. which seemed like a major turning point to me. The fact that I was blocked by the subs probably helped make the decision, but still. 33 days off now. Wow. No plans of returning. As always, stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles for Chris. Toodles. Wow, good for him. Isn't
2: that nice? That's nice. 33 days off of fucking...
0: Heroin. H. Hardcore. H. Ounce of H. Not just H. Yeah. The fucking ounce.
2: Yeah, that's a long time, bro.
0: Listen, congratulations. We're not going to say your name. We'll call you B. B, congratulations, and for uh, staying off the H. B. Jay, congratulations to you. Thanks. And I think this was really, really great. Great. I think we really learned a lot. Hell yeah. And I think what we really learned is it's your pride that's keeping you from going back. You think so? Yes. I think that's what I learned today. Okay. Also, we had uh, Myra. You, <laughs> you didn't get to listen to Myra. No. She was the fucking playboy. Oh yeah. Playboy, oh, playboy playmate from Brazil. But it turned out she wasn't an American Playboy. She was in Playboy Denmark. Oh, shit. And I forgot to make fun of her for that. <laughs> but she, Myra, check Still this party. out. She was a fucking... When she was 16 years old, mm-hmm. she wrote a book mm-hmm. in Brazil. And, she, and it was a number one smash no bestseller. She wrote three books before she was 20. No way. And now she's on, on the cover of uh, Playboy Denmark. Holy shit. Shout out to Myra. Super shout out. And Jay, I think you're doing good. Thanks, dude. And Dopey Nation, if you're... See, Jay, you're so full of shit. But we're going to ask wow. Jay's question. Dopey Nation, if you are sober, sober, as Jay likes to say, you're not doing the 12 steps, what are you doing out there? Send in some, some comments. some love. They're going to say, like, Dharma Recovery, which is this Buddhist 12-step-like program that's based on the Eightfold Buddhist path, which is probably very similar to 12-step. Uh, but there's not a lot of Dharma meanings out here, Jay. Mm. There's Smart Recovery, which I think you have to pay into. <laughs> um, and, then, and then there's, like... Oh, I run one of those. Listen, I, I think what we should do is set up our own meeting, and maybe you'd go to that. Yeah. You would do that? Yeah. So if I tailor-make a meeting for you... No, 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 no. I thought you, you don't meant like just it? you and me. No, I'm saying a tailor-made meeting for you. Paul, Evan... You're going to start
2: your own meeting. Yes. Dave's meeting.
0: It'll be our meeting.
2: Our... <laughs> yes. <laughs> would you do that? So I'd think about it. You'd consider well, I'd it. Well, like I'd say what's up to everybody, for sure. But you would not attend this meeting. I'd attend, say what's up to everybody. Like oh Paulie fucking Paul's dying
0: to go on the show with you. Yeah, that's what Paul missed. wants.
2: Paulie, yeah, do. yo, those pictures of Paul, Right, you
0: know? right. He's
2: Holy <laughs> yeah, right. He's all fucked up. Shit, right? He's <laughs> all fucked up. Holy shit. Good shit, Paulie. He, right.
1: he was down bad.
0: Um, thank you Jay. Uh, thank you check, check. Myra. Thank you Mary. Is your opinion of Jay changing? And thank you B and stay strong dope nation. Off the h. And uh, stay off the h and fucking toodles fucking for Chris. Fucking toodles.
4: What's up, Dave and Chris? My name's Jake. I'm 25 years old from West Virginia. I just found Dopey about two weeks ago, and it's my favorite podcast of all time. Y'all are hilarious, and it's just gotten me through some really hard times. And though I'm not clean myself, you know, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. Um, I really like Dave's song, and I'm gonna do a little cover of it here on my banjo. Hope y'all don't mind too much. I wrote a uh, third verse myself. Sorry about the poor quality. It's just on my phone. And, uh, sorry about the banjo. It's thing's hard to keep in tune.
5: <clears throat> wanna take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good i get some honey in my pockets and I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood and I wanna be good so bad I wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad bad desire's all I ever had I wanna take a ride up in the sky Watch as airplanes just passing by And I wanna see a Lear jetliner, take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive I wanna be good, so bad I wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had In my burned out basement listening to the dopey show home friends I had her on this little radio I keep checking on my pulse because it feels like I might die But the thought straightening up sounds so much better when you're high And I wanna be good so bad I wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desires, all I ever had.
4: Well, I hope y'all hear this. Makes it through the. Uh... Big inbox emails. Feel free to play a clip on the show if you want. If not, I know it kind of sucks. All right. I really appreciate it. Thanks, y'all.